Excellent. decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated ever-growing network of rogue independent content creators this forum does not will not and shall not have any one location rss feed platform or channel but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical, or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning, you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. What the fuck is up, y'all? Welcome to the WTF Forum, the only, perhaps, show coming from you from two different years all at once. I am Mike the Polymath from the Easy Peasy Podcast, and I'm going to pass it over to Stella Q, who is currently in 2024, despite the fact that I I'm in 2023. It's, uh, yeah, it does your head in, doesn't it? Hello. It's uh, lovely to be here. We are 11 years into the new year now. I mean, 11, sorry, 11 hours into the new year. That would be <laughs> well, who knows? Trip. Maybe the timeline Holy shifted again. Hell. Yeah. <laughs> we're time lords, but we're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Great to be here. Good to see my friend Drew from Australia. Same time zone. And Ando, as usual. Always good to see you, Mike. Ando. Going on. What's up? Yeah, uh, I guess Gisborne's got two hours on you, maybe three, right? Because they're the ones that get it first. They get the the year before anybody else. Um, Gisborne, New Zealand. Um, uh, New Zealand's the, first. The far west of their coast. Yeah, yeah, just south of Hamilton. That's the bigger city. Anyway, yep. yeah, I'm I'm here, but I'm gonna go because I got people coming over for a barbecue. They might check in and say it's people familiar to the forum. Uh, but yeah, I'm Ando, and I do a show called Burn Babylon Burn and The Doom Kitchen, and possibly even more shows, but they're all under one banner. Anyway, what's up, Drew? Hey, mate. Long time no see. And smooth face, I say. I haven't seen you in a while. 
rocking no stash now. I'm I'm real reeling over here trying to get used to it. I, I change all the time. That's what I do. He's the More man, than Madonna. the legend, the chameleon, Ando. I'm I'm still spun out that we're 11 years in, Stella. That's crazy. I've, I know <laughs> I've been fighting off Tesla bots at the front of the house, but I didn't realize it was 11 years already. That makes sense now. I got a drone swatter for Christmas. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm Drew Misson from Your Missing the Point podcast and Conspiracy Theatre 3000 um, and the Christian Conspiracy Coalition, which is also on my feed. And happy to be back. Well, I, I, I thought I'd say to Ando, um, you know, I don't know what your situation is necessarily, but you could always just keep your mic on mute and let the party ensue in the backdrop while we <laughs> while we carry on with the WTF forum, right? And if anybody wants to pop in and say hello, they could. Like open mic. Yeah, that, that could be a thing. We'll find out. Um It'll depend on on how my guests feel about it, but uh, yeah. man, I I've been doing a brisket. It's I I just did a twenty four hour brisket, y'all. Um, yeah, it's gonna be twenty four hours by the time they arrive. So yep. So it's uh it's seven oh eight p.m. where I am. Ando, it's a little earlier for you, right? Six oh six. 606. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I just, I, yeah, you're right. 706 here. And we've got two Aussies, which is fitting because I want to talk about Melanesia. And that's like your neck of the woods, isn't it? Allegedly. Allegedly. Isn't, isn't Australia a part of Melanesia? Oh, it depends on what you describe as there's Melanesia, Polynesia, Micronesia, all the right. Nesias. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Australasia. That might Australasia, be generally the South Pacific is what you'd kind of term it as. But yes, the Melanesians are one of the, the ethnic groups within our part of the world. That's for sure. So, so I watched this uh, documentary, this uh, Werner Herzog documentary you guys know about Werner Herzog Herzog it rings a bell you'll you'll know the voice you will know the voice but he's got this documentary and I'm hoping we don't get an instant strike uh for copyright infringement but I want to play like two or three minutes of this documentary it's about volcanoes but he also covers like these cultural kind of anthropological um, bits throughout the documentary. And it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, I highly recommend anybody that has Netflix. It's called Into the Inferno. But I'm going to play just, just a couple minutes here. And, um, ooh, is that tripping out for y'all? It was kind of tripping for me. Uh, no, that's, that's fine okay. to me. Okay. Okay. Um, anywho, I, I'm very interested in this particular kind of idea that, that islands are unique in that their isolation leads to unique kind of cultural uh, and evolutionary influences, right? If you're on an island, you, um, by nature, 
are isolated. You evolve separately. You change separately until there's some kind of influence. Y'all catch yeah, Darwin, me? Darwin ran with this with the Galapagos Islands. That was his yeah. kind of point of reference for why his theory of evolution was propped up. He used that as the grand scaling evidence that no outside influence, genetic diversity had a, a chance to kind of go down lines of adapting to the environment of that specific island. And that's what he kind of used the whole island mythos about. Mm-hmm. All right. Let yeah, me I'm, I'm going to be, a, oh, I'm going to be about go- as useful as, sorry, man, I'm going to be about as useful as tits on a bull with this. Cause I'm geographically completely retarded. So just saying, <laughs> well, 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 we that might would be useful. Because people couldn't make the the milk a bull joke anymore if if there were tits on a bull. So, well, in today's day and age, it could be trans bulls. And... <laughs> it could be. Yes, there's probably bull milk out there somewhere. Cow, cows can have penises too. Don't be a bigot, Ando. Come on. <laughs> All right, let's not carve it up. Well, okay, I'll say this is a little bit of a slow kind of style of film, but. Werner Herzog is a very um, he's been in some movies as an actor, but he's also a producer and um, narrator and director. And he uh, like I said, you'll know the voice. He he always plays a bad guy, but I kind of dug the style of this. So, like, just be patient. I'm going to I'm not going to play a whole lot, but it's a little slow. Similar to North Korea. This volcano has created a new god, the name of the deity, John Frum, a mythical American GI who descended from the clouds. Each Friday night, the islanders celebrate his cult. Chief Isaac of this John Fram village tightly controls the dogma of the new faith. Different denominations and even a schism in the church seem to have materialized. And so we were only allowed to speak to him and his son. He flies the stars and stripes because John Fram is an American who promises to return with copious cargoes of consumer goods. I understand that John Frum one day will appear to all the people and that he will bring many things, chewing gum, fridges, Cadillacs, maybe Boeing airplanes. John, and even more John, the 
He thinks that. Uh, Show me. He says that it is a promise that uh, was made that one day. Uh, in. In Barca. He says that uh, it is a promise that made by the spirit that one day it will be like the American will do all that. Is okay. I'm pausing there. Um, I know I'm dropping this on you with very little context, but there is an island in uh, Melanesia called uh, Ta- Tava or Tavu or something like that. I'll, I'm sure one of these clips will clarify, but um, there is a group. There is a there is a cult that that worships a American GI by the name of John Frum. Have y'all ever heard about this? It's kind of like it's in a lot of um, psychology textbooks, and it's one of the examples of a cult that is relatively harmless. But it's what they call a cargo cult. Have you heard about cargo cults? Cargo cults I have. Um, this specific John Frum um, little denomination I haven't. But it's interesting that similar things happen on different islands depending on who they make contact with. There's an island in the South Pacific in which the natives of the group of islands actually believe that Prince Charles is the god deity of the world and the saviour. Yes. Same, same island different tribe well it's like protestants and catholics over there yes there's there's a tribe that worships john from and there's a tribe that worships um prince charles it's crazy it's wild it's wild it's it's crazy that it happened at that specific time in the world during world war ii because could you imagine if first contact arrived say in the early thousands or the nineties, a lot of these Island people would be praying to like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. And they'd have like this really weird idea of a religion opposed to a single guy. Uh, I am familiar with, Oh, sorry, Mike, you were muted, but you were saying something. Oh, no, 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 no. It's uh, go ahead, Stella. I was just saying, yeah, I was just agreeing. Yeah, oh, if they, yeah. if if say they had not been contacted until 1999, they might be worshiping Justin Timberlake instead of this mythical John Frum, who the whole idea of John Frum is John from America. I have this whole story about all this, but it's I don't want to, um, you know, sidetrack this particular road that you're on so later on i'll tell it but i yes i am familiar with john from not not overly familiar with the actual john from but my part of the story comes from um an imposter and i'm directly involved with that <laughs> so i'll tell you about i'll tell you about that later it is interesting. very interesting and I, I wish i'd known that wow. we were um we were going to be covering John from because I could have pulled out a few, a few files, which I still probably can through the show, but I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to um, derail. Interesting that you, you have a personal, you have a personal connection. Um, to an I didn't want yes. you know, I try to, I try to keep my Clark, <laughs> my, my cards a little close to Story the best, right. When yep. it comes to bringing y'all, you know, like I, I plan out certain topics and I like dropping these bombs on you to where you don't expect it. <laughs> But mm-hmm. I, you know, now that I know you have a personal story to tell, Stella, I apologize. I should have, I should have okay. told you, John from John from 
you know, I saw I saw Ando shaking his head down there. I wonder if he has something to something to say. What I I I'm just amused that people will worship anything, and uh, and you know it, it it's it's sad really in a lot of ways because you know you you see you see the the spurgs in our community um that that are worshiping like the free market and and ridiculous things like that the you know the the secular libertarians that are just like oh the market can determine everything and that you know oh yeah like as if as if the market wouldn't crush them underfoot if uh if the market was actually freed but um yeah i i just think it's hilarious that that some guy just promised a whole bunch of chewing gum and stuff so that he wouldn't get eaten by some ooga boogas and now he's you know he's their god <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> well, is is he their god or is he just the new manifestation of a, an older god and an older story that that's exists because we saw the same thing happen when the spanish arrived in the new world right we had um montezuma ii which was the aztec emperor he saw Cortez, this white man with um, blonde hair, blue eyes, and he thought that he was Teotihuacan or Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent that had come back in human form. So they're using their own culture, their own religious practices, and when something new and amazing, which they can't um, differentiate the difference between technology and magic, they kind of tie it back to what they know. They almost try to justify it into their own belief systems. So American GIs flying planes and island hopping while they're fighting the Japanese to them could have seen like demons or dragons in the sky fighting each other. And the ones that just so happened to land may have had some kind of a physical appearance to what they perceived to be angels or gods or spirits that gifted them with things like bubble gum. And they just kind of turn it into this whole new um, spin on their religion. Mm -hmm. Y'all are, y'all are so on the right fucking track. I love it. Every time, every time. Do you, do you know the concept of uh, of American gods? Um, man, what is that guy's name? The uh, the writer, um, big time science fiction writer. Uh, well, like sort of mystical fiction writer. Not, I wouldn't call it science fiction, but uh, but yeah, I think it's kind of funny that this um, this concept of uh, of John from. Uh, that you know because he's being worshipped in a way that he gets to kind of show up at the table with all of these gods because like that's that's sort of the currency of the the deities in that in that novel that you know if you're worshipped you become a god Neil... yes, technology becomes a god right technology in itself yep. becomes a god yep. in that series so you guys are so on the right track but yes uh Ando, I just looked it up. It's Neil Gaiman or G G A. I think it is pronounced Gaiman, but most Gaiman. of us say Gaiman just because we don't want to say Gaiman. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you got Neil, it. Thank you, <laughs> Neil Gaiman. <laughs> huh, gay, gay. No, but um, this this concept of a cargo cult is essentially exactly what y'all are talking about. Where, um, this this phenomenon occurs where a hunter-gatherer society is exposed to technology to which for them it is indistinguishable from magic 
They have never seen anything of the like. And, uh, and therefore, these cults occur. So let me, let me play this. It's short, um, but it pretty much gives us the context we need as to what exactly is a cargo cult. And it explains a little more about this John Frum phenomenon. Oh, we're silent. Hang on. Here we go. But one day the Aborigine descends from the inland mountains. And as he gets closer to the coast, he jumps hundreds of centuries in only a few days. Here at Port Moresby Airport, where his trip through time ends and where he cannot find a reason for all that he has been taught and is seen so hurriedly, the seed of the cargo cult, the cult of the cargo planes, is born in him. Well, just uh, we should probably describe what's going on right now. So there's a Go bunch ahead. of um, indigenous people standing around large, tall fencing at an airport, watching um, aeroplanes taxiing around and landing and taking off. So that's uh, uh, and it's course, just such course, wow! Uh, what a beginning. what a contrast, isn't it? It's just it's it, it arises so much emotion in me. That mm-hmm. stark contrast and, yeah, so sad. <laughs> but after this video, I'm going to point out something that shows that we're not too far removed from these hunter-gatherer societies in the way we day hey. <laughs> Always, always ahead of me. Always ahead of me, you all. You all are. Drew, You're a good leader. You. Yes, yes. No, this is my point. We are not so dissimilar from these aboriginals, these um, these natives who didn't know what to think of this cargo they 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 came to worship this cargo you know and ando you like you brought up a point where it's kind of like well these people were um i don't know how'd you describe it like you arrive on an island and you are confronted by oogaboogas and you say, hey, I can make sure that, you know, you have a water filter or, you know, um, you know, gum and clothes and all the other stuff that, that you know, John Frum decided to uh, to offer them in order to not get eaten. So part of the question is, like, is are these cults uh like an example of the leaders of the tribe taking advantage of their own tribe's ignorance and saying, Hey, I can promise you a better future if you follow me. Or is there's, there's this weird paradoxical kind of irony where the introduction of modern technology actually causes these people to to go deeper back into their own 
culture, their own customs. It's very bizarre. You're going to have to give me some time with this one. Um, but let me play the rest of this to explain what cargo cults really are. And we'll take it from there. Along this great ocean route, 10 cargo planes connect Hong Kong with Australia. They land each day at Port Moresby, and the cargo cult has its temples almost everywhere nearby. This is one. Its altar is standing 9,000 feet above sea level. The dummy plane is at the edge of the landing strip. At the other end, the control tower. The natives of the Rozo and Mikeo tribes are waiting for some plane to land on their strip, attracted by the bamboo market. They believe that planes come from paradise. Their ancestors sent them. But the white man, a crafty pirate, manages to get his hands on them by attracting them into the big trap of Port Moresby. your plane too, says the cargo cult doctrine, and wait with faith. Sooner or later, your ancestors will discover the white man's trap and will guide the planes on your landing strip. Then you will be rich and happy. searching the sky. There is no other world beyond these mountains, so the large birds that roar up there above the clouds cannot but come from paradise. There are only their ancestors in paradise. Therefore, only their ancestors can have built the plains. The spirits of the deceased cannot know the white men. Therefore, all those wonderful things that the plains carry were meant for their descendants. They've left the mission. They've forgotten their prayers. And here they are, waiting faithfully at the doorway to the sky. All right. So for the listener, um, these folks, they build sort of replica airplanes and replica air strips. And they, they, they play, act in an effort to bring the planes back, to bring more cargo. The soothing thing about all of that is, is recognizing that these people have a lot more faith or maybe not necessarily, but they have more faith than your typical run-of-the-mill person that, that is of the true religion. And that's pathetic on our part. Well, I was going to point out that, yes, they're, they're committed to whatever belief system they've kind of developed over time. 
but it makes us as say Western society look even worse because not even in a religious context, the idea of a celebrity, a movie star, a singer, a personality, someone that has followers air quotes, we're almost deifying people who provide us with entertainment at least cargo cults, they're provided with real tangible things like um, pork, bubblegum, water, alcohol. They were given real things. We're just sitting on couches watching people, deifying them, being followers of them. We're almost building unofficial churches and religions through our entertainment industry. And at the same time, instead of building the planes for like a cargo cult, what people do is they buy products from their celebrities mm. they buy the perfumes they buy the clothes that they wear they try to personify the the elites and the entertainment industry and the celebrities that they've kind of put up to this pedestal as almost a demigod right i i was uh downtown during a sporting event um in in houston and there was a homeless man there and he was pointing out the all the jerseys that people were wearing and talking about how much each one of those jerseys cost and he said you know none of these people would wear the name of a poor man on their back and that was like you know what you're onto something and ironically like when there's a say a grand final or a um a sporting event where there's two teams pitting off against each other they make both teams winners jerseys they only sell the winners ones well, what happens to the losers jerseys that, that say they won the um nfl grand final or whatever the hell you call it super bowl they send those shirts to africa and the poverty stricken people wear shirts of the losers that say they're the winners that's hilarious um i i own one of those shirts in a way because um one of my friends was making t-shirts and i i used to uh pedicab the uh the sporting events and the astros were in the playoffs and we that that was the year um gosh, i can't remember which year it was i think it was 2018 maybe it was 19. um i know we won in 16. um yeah anyway um it was you know um it was it was a shirt that had something about repeat on it <laughs> and, uh, and yeah i i own it it's somewhere in my archives here uh about repeating our our venture into the world series so so drew you were bringing up how you can see the corollary to modern you know, like we're not really any better than these folks in my opinion like i don't know we all are so dependent that like we we exist within our own cargo cult and i could even draw a connection to the faith that people put in the jabs as a well, cargo if anything, cult if anything a cargo, the cargo cult cults, mentality the cargo yeah. cults are probably better than us because they know what they're doing we even request with knowledge what we're doing. Yeah. They're all in on it. Or anybody that just believes that a pill can fix them. Anybody, the, any of you out there that go to some psychiatrist out there and and expect them to uh, to solve all your problems. I, I mean, that that is an industry of quackery and it is completely propped up by, by big pharma. And what they're going to do is they're going to give you a prescription. That That is exactly what they're going to do. They're not going to work your way through your problems. You have to work your own way through your problems. I'm yep. sorry. That's 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 how it works. I'm, I'm sorry. That's 
you're you're not wired some weird way and you need some chemical that's idiotic you you are you have something you need to work out you need to have something that you need to work through otherwise you're going to become a drug dependent person and and they never they never set this thing up to where you ever end up off the drugs so so what's what's interesting though about these cargo cults ando like i hear you you have to pick yourself up you have to fix your own problems but these were like intact functional indigenous societies until they were disrupted that's what's so fascinating about the dynamics at play is they they had existed for a very long time without without this john from you know mythic kind of um what do you call it? messianic figure and in fact the, the, the john from the well the john from messiah would not have come about without the influence of aggressive christian missionaries who tried to outlaw the customs of the people who lived there you know i've got i've got plenty more context to give you guys um but like these people you know i always try to point out that like hunter gatherers were not dumb you know their their psychology however could be hijacked Speaking to that, isn't it strange that the majority of cargo cults, even though they refer to white men as tricking and stealing the planes from the gods, majority of the time cargo cults see planes and Western technology as being a good thing. But there's one example of it where they're deadly against it, which is North Sentinel Island, which is off the coast of India, where there's ethnic Africans on this island who actively spear and fire arrows at people who come near it because they think that's the the outside world are demons and bad things. So there's only really one example of like the uh, hunter gatherer society pushing back. Let's just say naivety. Well, naivety's, I mean, that that's a big part of it, but yeah, it's funny that sometimes, or at least it seems most of the time uh, it's viewed as like gifts from the gods. And then, only one out of a handful or one out of a hundred says, Oh, we don't want no part of it. Um, let me, mm -hmm. let me play a little bit of this it, again. It'll kind of give us a little more context. There's, there's a whole lot at play here. So you're saying like a 1% dissident, right? Right, right. Let's see. There we go. Makes sense so far, right? Well, this island strategy had an unintended side effect. Indigenous tribes native to the islands were suddenly experiencing their first contact with the outside world in the form of the United States war machine in all its mechanized capitalist fueled glory. Enormous crusaders to length of fields, destroyers with fearsome fire spouting guns, huge broad winged bombers descending from the clouds uniformed GIs of all races marching in strict formation with portable cures for any ailment, advanced unintelligible weaponry that made men fall dead without touching them, strange new languages and customs, and perhaps most importantly of all, precious cargo 
that rained gifts down from the sky. To many civilizations at the time, all of this would have been remarkable, but explainable. It was a technologically advanced military passing through, a regular occurrence throughout world history. But to these indigenous tribes of Melanesians, this was entirely unexplainable. As the great science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke put it, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And that's exactly what these tribes thought it was, magic. It wasn't long before cults began to emerge, worshipping this ostensibly magical advanced civilization and the goods they brought with them. Even though some of the islanders had been exposed to the West before, in the form of the British and missionaries, they'd never experienced firsthand the wonders of the modern world's mass-produced goods and all-powerful technology. On one such island, like Tana, the awestruck populace began to blend their previous beliefs and experiences, such as volcano gods and murdering their disobedient wives, yes, they did that, with their reverence for the Western world, its soldiers and their mass-produced goods. Thus, the John Frum cult began to take root, not understanding where these foreigners gained access to such enormous wealth, goods, and industrial power, they believed them to be a product of the spirit world, something beyond the reach of mortal men, perhaps gifts from a god. After all, these were not things that man could make themselves. John Frum was one such god, a messianic figure said to have walked out of the sea, or to have lived inside a volcano, who was destined to return with countless goods and cargo for the people. In many incarnations, he is an American GI, with the name John Frum being a version of John from America. Okay, so I'm pausing there. I, I sped it up because I know it's a little slow, but um, I don't know, man. Like, there's something about this that I'm like, I, I think that this is one of the things that they kind of discovered a hack in human psychology and maybe have been weaponizing it ever since. This cargo cult thinking. This dependence mindset. Any thoughts? Anybody? Like a superiority thing. Um, I suppose, you know, anyone who's technically te technologically advanced is going to have the upper hand, aren't they? So it's not that difficult to overtake a whole population of people, really. <laughs> when you think about it. Especially if you look vastly different from the indigenous population, mm. so much so that you would think you're not human in comparison to them. The thing Definitely. that made me came to mind while watching that is that how big the ancient astronaut theory became and the idea of alien intervention in early civilizations as aliens betraying themselves as gods or the people assumed their top technology was godlike. There's this big movement... Um, the Raelian movement in which aliens are real and we, we pray to aliens has been almost this, this deified um, and personified thing that in their belief system, the Elohim, plural, were aliens that came and used the tribes of Israel like the cargo cults were used. They were using them for multiple reasons like the GIs used the islands. They call it the Elohim cult and it has stark parallels with the cargo cult. So it's that idea of um of clark that any form of advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and i think that's what really drove the whole 2000s movement of ancient aliens they hearkened it back to something that's tangible and real within our own living memory and then tried to 
copy and paste that into something in our ancient past that's more spiritual than it is technological. Sounds feasible. Yeah. Well, if uh, if we don't have any more comments, I'll carry on with the clips. Um, you know, there is a heavy influence, like I said, of like Christian missionaries uh, on what what occurred here. And I hope I hope I have the right so, clip. Go ahead. Everybody knows the, that story of that island off of India where the missionaries came and and they ended up killing them and eventually eventually some missionaries made it on north sentinel island yeah there you go there you go yeah um have you heard that one mike well only only because drew mentioned it before we went live um, ah okay yeah as kind of like an antithesis to this cargo cult thing um it seems like more often than not these people would would view the cargo as a good thing but with North Sentinel Island, it was the opposite. Do I have that right? Yeah, it's almost like a, a psychological profile of humanity's willingness to accept uh, a greater power. Like we saw that during COVID. Majority of people fell in line with it and went into lockstep, where a smaller percentage was against it. We almost see that with the, the cargo cult versus Sentinel Island analogy. It's the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. Some people put their faith in the cargo of jabby jabs while others put their faith in what they already knew, what they already trusted, you know, God, their own immune system, their own cultures, etc. All right, let me play. Whoops, apologies here. Hang on just a moment. Here we go. from religion yeah this is a, a cult religion only exists in Tana and in no other part of the world they believe in uh, this man John he was an American army who, who came to Tana at one time and then went back and uh, promises to return First missionary, he arrived in Tana, right here in Port Resolution. This is Port Resolution Church. We believe Jesus is coming back to take us to a better place. Jesus, I mean, the John Froome, he's already dead and he's never coming back. He's not God. Uh, he's just a man. But Jesus is not in the grave. He's going to heaven. He's coming back.
Tanna is a place where missionaries have been working for a very long time. Over a hundred years ago, they were there. August 9th, 1890. Letter home. I arrived on Tanna and we began building the church. I believe not a single soul here has an idea of what we live among them for. Dark, dark Tanna. The people live in all the abominations of heathenism. During a great part of the year, they're busy drinking kava and feasting. Kava is the root of a pepper plant, which is made into a drink, and here on Tanna, it's prepared by a young man who chews it. The resultant drink is extremely potent and must be thrown back in one gulp. This custom was one of the first things forbidden by the missionaries. Alright, I apologize. Sorry. I, I was thinking about other shit. Um, but you guys are getting the picture here. You know, this is a ancient kind of tribe that had their own customs. They drank this kava root as part of their customs, and that was um outlawed by Christian missionaries. In fact, like the custom the customary way of life in general was outlawed and I could play this on, but it's, it, it's kind of slow and whatever. But the point is that they, they eventually took to locking people up, um, putting them in jail if they refused to give up their customs, which to me is like a lose, lose scenario. Western civilization just made a good um, comment on the screen there. The topic is fascinating. Basically, if an alien visit us, would we build starports hoping for them to return? Well, you could argue we see that in the Nazca lines today. There's these giant lines in the desert of Nazca that they don't know how they were made, but then there's ones that you can tell were made by the native people. They look very different. They're not as precise. It's almost as if they're trying to replicate the landing strips or the cutoff tops of mountains that were done by someone or something else. So we do have a precedence beyond cargo cults for other cultures building things to outside sources that weren't your stereotypical Western civilization that stepped in on a smaller culture. That's a much more ancient one. Now, how would you be though, Mike, being the idea of missionaries going in, taking away elements of the indigenous culture, banning it, outlawing it you just know the first few people that step in are going to probably get knifed or speared so you're far better off being the later missionaries than you are the earlier hmm. ones hmm. yeah well you know i don't know it, it really does bear the question of like who's to say that our ideas are any better than theirs and why should we tell them what to think why you know Part of what's so interesting about these folks, they look black, right? They look African. But apparently, like from what I from what I dug up, they are more or less um, Asian 
and like what's the other there's like god i'm blanking but they're not they're not from africa directly you know it's almost like they they're they're blacker than their than their ancestors and i don't know why that even matters except that well partly that's why they call it melanesia it was you know you break down the etymology yeah you break down the etymology it's 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 black islands the islands of the blacks that's the interesting thing you've got melanesia polynesia micronesia Mm -hmm. uh, Papua new guinea new zealand australia ethnically they have similar ancestry but they all have a, a variation in the way they look you can discern between the different first nations peoples and it all comes back to how much um, intermingling there was with Southeast Asian peoples versus Islander peoples. And generally, the darker they are, the larger percentage they have of what you would consider to be pure blood Islander, opposed to um, the Asiatics of the more Asiatic genes that you see in some of the others. So they in themselves have successive waves of cultures that have been created by contact with other peoples. And that's where the, the cultural differences come into it. So apparently we we just got totally booted from YouTube. That's too bad. That's why we have zero watchers. Oh, bugger. That's a real yeah. bummer. That's because we yeah. let the thing run too long. Well, it was because of a violation of community gui- guidelines. Melanated yeah, copyright. No, it was not copyright. It was oh. this was a um some kind of hate speech violation. Oh. Really? Was it Ooga Booga? It was probably Ooga Booga or Melanated <laughs> Maybe, Asian. maybe. You know, I wish I had mentioned for our listeners that they should go over to Odyssey because we are good on Odyssey. Mm. We're rocking and rolling. Um, right. Yeah, we need to mention that at the beginning, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Son of a bitch. I didn't man. even know that we were on Odyssey, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, I only got it set up recently. Oh, um, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we might be getting All some right. mesh. Okay, yeah. Drizzle just said stream was taken down. Are y'all on Rumble? I'll tell him. Odyssey. All right, yeah. He can probably um, let a bunch of people know. While, while you're sorting that out, I'll ask this one yeah. of Stella. Mike posed a really good question. Um, Who are we to impose our cultural views mm. or ideas on other people's? But this is the thing that I come back to. People always, they beg and they really rag on what Christianity has done to the world. Yes, it's done some horrific things. But in contrast... Were the Spanish conquistadors, when they arrived in the New World, were they doing what's considered right from their own moral compass? When you arrive and you see a culture that's sacrificing people to to gods, killing innocent people, um, in a lot of cases they were eating people, mm. are you justified mm. then as a culture to impose your view and stamp out what you would consider to be evil? It becomes that idea of all that's needed for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. Yeah, that's a that's a really really interesting question because on one side of the fence you don't want to sort of involve you know insert yourself into a civilization that is doing fine, but on the other hand, when you see, I mean, yes, they always ate their sacrifices apparently, um, the like the Aztecs, what have you. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a really good question. Like, do when do you intervene? I, I guess it comes down to, I mean, there's no. There's no one person that's religion. It's sort of like trying to hold a company, you know, liable for something. It's like, well, what, what's a company? It's a bunch of people. 
So it sort of comes down. I think there's there would be light and dark within all those people. So some people might want to do it for power reasons. Some people might want to do it for the right reasons, which is the moral compass. Um, some people might want to do it for the, um, you know, the conquering of religion, you know, just the whole principle of it sort of thing. So I don't know. Um, I think when it comes down to watching babies being thrown into fires and being eaten and stabbed alive and people dying in those horrific ways, then I think it's just a human thing to intervene um, because I guess, you know, from a spiritual point of view, you could see that as a civil civilization that's sort of gone wayward um, and gone the way of, I mean, that's not a loving society, is it? <laughs> so. No, and this is, this is the point that I tried to get to. We've gone into this post-colonialism world where, the West is seen as bad and politically, every time you talk about another country, another nation as other, you have to accept all their practices. If you visit that country, you follow their rules, you abide by what they have, the law of the land. But at the same time, if we see, say, a nation that involves itself in open air slave trade or a culture that is perfectly fine with pedophilia of young children, mm. are, is it incumbent upon us as people who have a high, what we would deem as a higher moral framework to actually intervene and do something about it. Now, the post-colonialism kind of world has stopped that from happening. When we see these things happen, we kind of just have to accept it as that's their culture and that's mm. fine. But if they were to do it here, it would be a very different story. So it's this idea of what's that balancing act between identifying cultural practices which... And respecting, yeah. Are respecting, respecting leaving things or where does it cross the line? Exactly. Well, then I think that comes down to a humanity thing. I mean, it doesn't, that's sort of putting, well, belief, I guess, belief system, because it's not necessarily always religious or spiritual. It might be just cultural. Um, but I guess that's where putting those things above the treatment of a fellow human being. Um, I think that's where you got to draw the line. It's like, well, I don't give a shit where you're from or who you follow or who you believe in. You're not doing that to that kid. So um, I think that's so. It, it's wanna, very much a personal moral compass. Yeah, I guess. I want to I want to interject and say that it seems to me from the um, research I I've been doing, these people were not um, cannibals. They were not human sacrificers. They were they were pretty much peace loving hunter gatherers who fished and and raised pigs and grew kava and tripped balls and hung out and sung songs and it does it, it seems to me like it, it was wrong for anybody to go in there and say that your way of life is now illegal again like the irony of this john from cult is that like this this new idea that sprang up about this guy john from you know it God, there's so much material I went through and I tried to find like the the clips I needed, but part of what the whole John from teaching was that like the ancestors spoke through John from telling the people to maintain their culture, not to change. And so it's kind of funny that like this cult actually preserved the indigenous culture even though it was kind of altered kind of different from what it was like it might have been snuffed out 
if it wasn't for like this radical sort of wing to say, no, like we're not going to convert. We're not going to become, you know, Christians. We're, we're going to be John from people. It's like they didn't have much else to grasp onto because the world was changing so fucking fast. Mm. There's a couple of paragraphs here. I'm just looking at in Wikipedia. Um, which might be worth reading out. Uh, well, particularly in some versions of the story, a native man named Menahivai, Mena 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 uh, using the alias John Frum, began appearing among the native people of Tanna dressed in a Western-style coat, assuring the people he would bring them houses, clothes, food, and transport. Others contend that John Frum was a carver-induced spirit vision, said to be a manifestation of Karaparaman, uh, this John Frum promised the dawn of a new age in which all white people, including missionaries, would depart the New Hebrides, leaving behind their goods and property for the native Melanesians. For this to happen, however, the people of Tanna had to reject all aspects of European society, including money, Western education, Christianity, and work on copra plant, uh, plantations. Uh, they had to return to traditional kaston, the Bislama language word for customs. So yeah, there's there's even some speculation that it was just a carver induced <laughs> spirit. Well, yeah, everybody that ever met John from was on Kava. And it's worth yeah. um yeah. showing what that looks like here. I've got a video. Um mm. let's see. Yeah, here we go. Has anyone here ever had Kava? Well, I've drank I've drank Kava tea, which is pretty mild. But even so, it like it says on the on the packaging, like not recommended for pregnant women, this, that, and the other. If you have liver, you know, disease, blah blah blah. Um, it's a yep. it's a it's a powerful uh, sort of drug. Mm. Yeah, uh, but you know, drinking it in like a store bought tea is nothing like what these folks are doing, where they're mm -hmm. basically taking it in its uh, pure form. And like in high quantity, but check out how these women are dancing. It'll uh, it'll show you how powerful this this kava really is. So for the listeners, I mean, we've got our our guys playing the guitars, singing their songs, and we've got these ladies. <laughs> we've got these women basically like out of their mind kind of spinning around doing this dance they're doing the old one eye close because they've probably got double vision at the moment yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there'd be a few people doing that right now i reckon around the world they're they're having a hard time keeping their feet underneath them um but this is this is a type of worship they've been doing this for for thousands of years well i don't know about thousands a couple you know I, I believe that this this area of Melanesia was settled about a thousand years ago. So now he's talking about right now they're talking about how there was a, a schism in the church where somebody somebody basically spoke out against John from and it divided the uh, the whole community in two. You know, it's like this this John from thing. They used to have thousands thousands of people in like the 70s 
and you know it was like five right. six thousand people and now it's down to a couple hundred and pretty much everybody else is converting to christianity like this guy here is talking about how he he basically encouraged the community to join christianity with the john from religion and they call it like the joint unity of christ and that's what we're watching like so they they're still practicing their customs in a way but they've kind of blended it with christianity so um, does then john from become like a prophet of christianity then not so much a god himself it's sort of like well that's a good question mm, i don't know question. if we really I don't know if we get a good explanation. Or is it like a take on like Islam did? Islam has um, Jesus as a prophet of Allah, but is still mm -hmm. a God. So it'd be interesting what take they have on this. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably watched like five or 10 hours of John from. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. It's so, I found it so very fascinating, um, mm. but it's hard to like compress. Let me, you know, I think that it might be worth playing. Let me hear. Oh, God damn. It's so hard to figure what's what's worth showing and what's not. But these guys, they legit like worship the United States of America. It's very interesting. Let me, let me play the Western world. Well, yeah, I guess I guess you have a point there. Here. Oh, shit. So they they paint USA on their bodies. And they 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 practice marching like US soldiers, but they have bamboo sticks instead of rifles. That's a cool rhythm. That rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I just find this so fascinating. What about the Aboriginal flag there? That's interesting. Hmm. I wonder if they just practice weapons, those long pieces of bamboo with pointy ends. It's almost more of a ritual than like an actual um, military type of exercise. It's they're they're trying to bring they're trying to bring back the cargo. Last time they had the cargo, people were doing this on their island. So they So they're so relating they it to the military. Is that what you're sort of connecting there? Well that if they, they were, become they more were, militant, they might get their gods back. Supposedly they were they were fascinated by the fact that the white man didn't really have to work in their eyes. You know, they're used to hunting and fishing and gardening and, you know, raising livestock. And, and these, these in World War II, all these white people show up and they just have goods. They don't have to work. They walk mm -hmm. around with guns and they eat food that they don't have to forage or hunt for. And it, it's beyond the, the locals' ability to even comprehend I can so, only imagine again, what would happen now if an aircraft carrier like pulled up off the coast and troops actually got off on the ground, what their reaction would be to that. It would be it would be the fulfillment. Would it be like a second coming? It'd be the fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, and part of why it took hold 
is because this whole mythology started like a couple years. It, I, I want to say it started in 1940, but the first actual like American troops didn't land until 1942 or three. So like they had this prophecy of this American saying, Hey, if you reject the missionaries and you stick to your customs, America will, will come back and bring you the cargo. And then it actually happened. And so like that, that's part of why this idea exploded, you know, thousands of people on this Island. And this is not the only case. I mean, there are other examples of cargo cults throughout the Pacific because of the nature of the isolation of these cultures and that they were so late to being exposed to new technology. And it makes me, you brought up like UFO stuff, Drew. I'm like, again, like, are we any different? You know, like, are we not just waiting for the cargo of the future that may never come? You know, like, well, that's, that's the idea in the whole ancient aliens kind of spin on, they take the whole Abrahamic faith as being alien intervention and manna being a gift from God, food for the Israelites to eat was provided by aliens, like a cargo cult kind of analogy. So there are, there's a, definitely an application historically that you can make the argument, at least, that that's, that has happened. I personally don't believe that's the case, but you can see how it fits into the cargo cult analogy for different times in history if it was an outside intervention of whatever form. So what we were just looking at, I'm sorry if you've already mentioned this, Mike, I, I sort of tuned out a little bit because I was looking for a file. Um, that's the Tanner army. We're looking at the Tanner army, which apparently was yeah. um, created in 1957 by their John from movement leader tech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry. Nakamaha. And they and they never had any actual arms, but that is what they call the Tana Army. They they practice, they march, they they yeah. do their dr their drills. On the on February the fifteenth, which is John Frum Day, in Vanuatu. Well, they do it so, all year, but John Frum Day is when they okay. that, they're practicing all year for John Frum right, Day. Right, right. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm mm -hmm. very interested as to why the American flag, the Union Jack, and then the Aboriginal flag were there. Hmm. Like the Aboriginal flag in itself is very isolated to only Australia. So it's interesting that that was flown alongside the American one. I wonder when that footage was from. Does it have a, well, it'll only have an upload date, I guess. What are we looking at there, Mike? Well, it's kind of all over. I mean, this has been going on for the last. Bits and pieces, right? Yeah. It's been going on for almost 70 years. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the footage we're seeing is from like either the 90s or the 2000s. Um, like I said, this this cult is kind of like fizzling out. Like they've they've had schisms, they've they've divided, and um, what was a few thousand folks is now a few hundred. Um, but like, I I watch footage of these folks, and I can't help but think that they're living a better life than I am. Yeah, it looks very attractive. I'd be there in a minute. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Oh, yeah, they're, they're more in harmony with the way life should be. Is that sort of what you're saying? Like, we are living the weird life. We're living the really... Yeah, like, well, I, it's like, I don't, really, 
I don't really give a fuck that they worship some mythical John from and they're waiting for cargo because if you really boil it down day to day, they are living authentically. They are loving each other. They're in community. They, they have purpose. They have, you know, like culture. And I'm almost, I'm almost envious of this. I I've never been envious of a cult until this one. I'm like, they're still, they're still human. They're still living right. They're living on the land, man. Like, it's just the idea of getting up each day to go to work, to have to pay taxes to justify your existence. At the end of the day, right. that's all Western society's built on now is the taxation of through work, where in the past, even serfs, they would work and have like real life downtime in comparison to us. We've gotten to this weird idea that work is life and not, you don't live to work, you work to live type of a deal. Mm. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean, they're living exactly the way they, we all should be living. And <laughs> we all were probably at one point. Um, we're the ones who are out of whack and that's because of technology and, you know, what, what they call progress. I've never seen it as progress personally. <laughs> it's interesting though. We've got the technological level at the moment where no one should have to work. Realistically, mm. if, if we had it all invested in the right spots, you could be yeah. pretty well self-sufficient for most of your own food. But yep. Just in the way it's set up, it makes us reliant. Yeah, it steals well, us of our time, which is the most, you know, it's the ultimate currency. It's not replaceable. What I found so ironic is the fact that they worship, like, the American flag and they worship this, like, hypothetical American soldier, but they live so antithetically to the American way of life. Is it, is it convenience that they're worshipping there? Because... To bring cargo is in a way is making a way, life yeah. easier, isn't it? So it's convenience. Right. I mean, convenience kills. It's a, it's a shame they were ever intervened at all because they didn't need any of that. Obviously, well, it's like it's like their their um their culture was disrupted by an influx by this disruption of of stuff. You know, they were living their mm, life as they stuff. always had until all this stuff just came onto their island and it came, came by of way of came by way of airplane corned beef boats. killed the culture spam literally killed the culture yeah yeah well it mm. it almost it almost well so actually i mean again i'll go back even further before world war ii the missionaries nearly had wiped out the indigenous cultures there was a yeah. small a small foothold that was held on to and then world war ii comes along and this is the weirdest part is you would think that the introduction of all this convenience and technology and foreign um, influence, it would have been the final death nail, but it actually operated in sort of an opposite way. It, this, this disruption was what the, the remaining, you know, uh, before the John Frum thing even took, took root, the remaining indigenous sort of, they call it custom. They call it practicing custom. The last people still practicing custom grabbed onto this new mythology as a way to defend themselves from the cultural like shift that, that was happening around them. They said, oh, this guy, John Frum, 
told us not to give up our roots. So now we have like this new boost of energy, this new newfound um, courage. I don't know. It's so, it's so wild, man. It's like they were already disrupted, but then this, this second disruption almost hit the reset button. You could almost say the Roman Empire did the same thing. Like the Roman Empire itself was pagan at one point, but had conquered most of the world and interrupted a lot of other cultures the same way that these people were interrupted. But as soon as um, Constantine became Christian, he almost applied the Christian tenets to a whole swath of pagan practices and and um, religious type of um, cultural practices and combine them into the faith that we now know as Christianity. How much of the Christian faith do people always bang on about being pagan in its origin? Well, in some small ways, those pagan cultures and those people survive through Christianity because it's adopted elements into it, similar to what the cargo cults have done. They're keeping some of their culture alive by holding on to John Frum as being the one who can kind of save them from the, uh, from the missionaries. Yeah. I'd like to play this um, again. God damn. There's so much to this. Like, I think it would be foolish to oversimplify it and saying, these are just backwards, you know, primitive barbaric people. Like, I don't, I don't see that. be honest like i find this i find this music really stirring like very it's very beautiful it's really I joyful love, it's joy from the soul I, I love folk music of all kinds man this is folk this is true folk look at all the beautiful colors yeah i'm like why should we try to wipe this out we should not hmm yeah, I mean, it's, I don't it's care. pure I don't joy. Care. <laughs> I don't care if they're a cult. This is a good. This is a good cult. You mm. know, even if it is silly, even if they're worshiping some hypothetical American GI named John from America, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It's so cool, and they still, they just raise pigs, they fish, they garden. And they drink kava. You know, sounds all right, man. Let's go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of interesting just that they're like, it's this weird, like, there's almost an integration with Christian culture. And like, maybe that's okay over time, like, slowly, naturally. 
but when you try to force it, that's so fucked. Yeah. You know, like no respect. There's like this other tribe that split off from the John Frums who embrace Christ and they actually denounced John Frum, but they still practice what they call custom. They still do the tradition of their, of their island. And I'm like, maybe that, maybe they are actually, maybe the John Frum folks like could, could stand to benefit benefit from some Christianity, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to just invert it and take it away and change it over time, overnight. Like it just, it doesn't feel right. You know, it's a Petri dish of what happens to a, a religion mm. over time, how it changes and adapts depending on outside and internal influences. Like you said, well, that, this, there's John, this, there's John from is... the Christian influence. And then there's the small group that follow old sausage fin fingers, the new King as being yeah, a God and yeah. at what the point do they, just, yeah, do they just keep kicking back, singing their awesome songs, eating pork, drinking and having a good time? Or does that eventually devolve into conflict because of differences of, um, of, the, the way that their religions are going because they've all got the different denominations now. Does that come into conflict at some point? Well, and it's, it's a microcosm of, um, of everyone else. Like that's, what's so interesting about Island cultures and Island ecosystems. It's why Darwin was obsessed with the Galapagos islands. Like we were talking about um, it's, it's a microcosm. You can observe diversity in a way on islands that you cannot observe it on a on a large continent. Yeah. It's it behaves differently. Yeah, petri dish is the perfect example of it. And I'm just uh, questioning, I don't think it was Prince Charles, it, it's Prince Philip. The Jig of Edinburgh. Worse. He's the one yeah. who wants to come back as a virus and kill everybody. That's right. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's Prince Philip um movement is a religious sect followed by the custom people around the villages of i'm not even going to try to pronounce that uh in the island of tana in vanuatu a cargo cult of the yaunanan tribe who believe in the divinity of prince philip duke of edinburgh consort to queen elizabeth there you go i'm glad yeah, we so fixed i'm glad we uh you know um sorted that one out yeah not, we fact checked king sausage man <laughs> no 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 yeah so Phil, older than that virus guy <laughs> So I think it's worth checking out how like people, you know, because part of my question when I was doing my digging into this thing, I'm like, how did these black folks end up in the Pacific Ocean? You know, off the coast of Australia. I'm like, I just geologically, it, you know, doesn't or ge geographically doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the truth is they're not african i mean supposedly we all came from africa right but like no these are these are a different racial group entirely and it's worth it's probably, kind of checking out how they got there it's probably more indicative of the um successive waves that came out of southern india there's a lot of um genetic connection to yeah. denisovans um south indians which essentially populated australia so i dare say there's some kind of a route there even go back into the Vedas, which are the religious texts of, of India, there was a war between gods who expelled a whole heap of people out of the country who ironically were darker skinned. So 
that kind of almost tells the story of the people leaving that area and where they have to go to beyond India, it's Southeast Asia and then the islands. No, totally. I think you're right on the right track. They all, they came out of Asia, India, you know, and it's, it's, it's a very interesting migration. You know, I think this all kind of ties back to sort of this bigger question of migration. We've, we've been talking about it on the forum a lot about sort of these, um, demographic shifts right and it's nothing new this has been happening for forever but maybe it is I, it's different it's the same but different man i don't know but let me play this i'm not going to play the whole thing but i'll play enough to give you the general idea perhaps the most remarkable chapter in human history is the settling of the pacific without the aid of modern navigational equipment shipbuilding and food preservation technology Humans would voyage thousands of miles upon the vast open ocean to settle the hundreds of islands in the Pacific that stretch about 8,000 miles or 13,000 kilometers from the westernmost islands of Palau to the easternmost islands of Rapa Nui, Guahusipulan. And this is the story of the peopling of the Pacific, the last great human expansion. The story begins in island Southeast Asia, more than 40,000 years ago. At this time, the sea level was much lower than it is today, exposing the landmasses of Sundalin and Sahu. This allowed the first phase of modern human expansion into these areas by the ancestors of Papuans and Aboriginal Australians. These peoples reached as far as the Solomon Islands in near Oceania. The islands in what is known as remote Oceania remained uninhabited. Over the next thousands of years, the sea levels rose, forming the continental islands which we see today. Between 2500 and 2000 BCE, the second phase of human expansion began, from the Southeast Asian coast of China and ultimately Taiwan, Austronesian-speaking peoples of East Asian ancestry began to expand rapidly into islands Southeast Asia. They first expanded into the Philippines where the migration stream splits, with one group entering the Marianas no later than 1500 BCE. This makes the Marianas the first islands to be settled in remote Oceania. Another group branched into Palau around 1000 BCE. A third migration stream moved southward into the Indo-Malaysian archipelago, and a fourth branched off into the north coast of New Guinea and the Bismarck archipelago. It is here that these Austronesian-speaking peoples established the Lapita cultural complex through a fusion of Austronesian and Papuan cultures, where their highly distinctive pottery began to appear in the islands of the Bismarck Archipelago by 1350 BCE. All right, I'm, I'm stopping it there because um, I think you get the idea. Like, I'm just so fascinated with the migration of human, humankind going all the way back right that's and what, like that's what i was yeah sorry oh yeah go ahead go ahead stella no that's what i was going to say before before i cut myself off <laughs> um was how much the land and the sea level has changed over time as well so that you know explains quite a lot of migratory or you know evolving and intermingling i guess that we might not see right now do you know what i mean like it's some land has come and gone. I mean, they've just discovered apparently 7,000 new islands in just off the coast of Japan. How'd they miss that? <laughs> so what, my point being that, yeah, 
islands come and go and land bridges come and go. Even the, um, they mentioned the Philippines and how there's the, the original, like the proto-Asian people came out of Taiwan and China and moved out into the South Pacific and intermingled with the islanders and the Australoids and kind of created the different groups we see today. But the Philippines in itself is a great, a great um, culture and history to look at how much it's changed because initially they, the, the natives of that island would have been similar to what you would consider to be Papua New Guineans and darker-skinned, melanated people. Asian people got into the mix. The Portuguese arrived and got in there. Americans used it as a, as a territory at one point, so much so that you see the uh, Philippine War propaganda in the early American posters. All the Filipinos are drawn as African-Americans because that's the only thing Americans could equate to Islanders. But when they got there, they saw that they were browner Asian people. They didn't quite understand. Yeah. The old stereotype kicks in. <laughs> yep. So, Drew, something you just said made me think of something I got to I got to go track down, but in the meantime, just just cuz I think it's so nice and pretty, I want to play a little more of the music of this tribe and let let one of our um clips kind of play out. Uh this guy will explain a little more about cargo cult mentality as a general idea um but then i'm gonna i'm gonna come back at you with something that you just made me think of to westernize the rituals customs and collective prayer bring people together in a way which is greatly satisfying to them and to human beings as a whole whether or not john from is real he definitely isn't i thought that that would play some music i apologize but um in any event i'll play some more Stella, do I hear you? Oh, I was just laughing. Oh, he definitely isn't. It's like, how do you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is he wearing a bow tie? He is. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> is powerful. Wouldn't we all look silly if some and American GI floated down from the sky one day with spam and cigarettes and, and gum and said he was the Messiah? <laughs> yeah. This is something modern enough. And a nice guitar. To address. The label cargo cults itself has become burdened with connotations of primitive thinking or backwardsness as it describes a group that attempts to manifest a real and tangible outcome, cargo, through illogical means, worship and rituals. In truth, the behavior of the indigenous Melanesians is far more in common with creating, developing and renewing deep cultural and social relationships between people, especially as they are under threat by a changing world. When you don't understand why the world around you is changing in the way it is, with such frightening speed, and you don't have the knowledge or resources to keep up, what more can one do than pray and hope? When one writer for the Smithsonian asked what John Frum did for the people, one individual replied that he helped them to get their traditional customs, dancing, and community back after it had been taken and deliberately destroyed by the colonial government and missionaries. Some even claimed John Frum told them that this was his express aim, to get them dancing, drinking kava, a psychoactive tea drunk in place of alcohol, and simply being themselves once again. When the same Smithsonian writer asked what it was the worshippers wanted in return for their prayers, one individual responded that all he wanted was a 25 horsepower motor for the village boats, so everyone could catch more fish 
and have a better life. And isn't that just wonderfully endearing? And with that, I can only hope that wherever he is, John from hears them. I'm always. That guy looks like he works at a microbrewery. <laughs> and he's yeah. going to serve me a, a selection of local beers on like a wooden paddle. Yeah, he's just come, totally. He's just come back from serving. <laughs> totally. Yeah, well, he didn't have the bow tie, but he had the suspenders. So same, same, same. <laughs> yeah, look, something that I did notice about their culture, which I just thought was a really stark contrast with us and our culture, the Westerns, um, is, you know, they spend a lot of their time... Well, I mean, the coming together is one thing, isn't it? Because that adds to the power of prayer. So there's that. But um, they look up. What do we do? We look down because we've got our phones. So it's like they just spend their whole time looking up and looking at the sky and living in hope and prayer. Um, and we are like the exact opposite of that. I mean, it, with a few exceptions, of course people who know, <laughs> but the majority, you know, the zombies or whatever you want to call them, um, who are just unaware and really don't have a God, whatever, um, their God is the black mirror. And so, yeah, physical manifestation is they look up and we look down. It's just a really interesting um, opposition, I thought. Again, I'm like, I'm halfway envious. Mm, I'm very envious. <laughs> I'd love to live like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me play this next one. Um, this is what Drew made me think of. I forget exactly what you said, Drew, um, but sort of comes down to the question of identity and like what is Melanesia as opposed to any other place. Um, anywho, here we go. And in this video, I will explore the question: What is Melanesia? From the context in which the category of Melanesia was constructed. To its geography. Melanesia is one of three regions in Oceania, the other two being Polynesia and Micronesia. Melanesia is the oldest inhabited region in Oceania, as parts of Melanesia were settled by modern humans more than 40,000 years ago. Furthermore, Melanesia contains hundreds of ethnic groups and some 1,400 languages belonging to several language families making Melanesia the most culturally, linguistically, and ethnically diverse region in Oceania. The word Melanesia is derived from the Greek words melos and nesos, meaning black islands. This word was invented by Frenchman Jean Dumont d'Urville in 1832 to be the name for the region of Oceania inhabited by generally darker-skinned peoples. Historically, the peoples of Melanesia never referred to themselves as Melanesians, nor divided the ocean within the boundaries of Melanesia. The modern geographic boundaries and the concept of Melanesia was a product of European racial geography. Thus, scholars have heavily criticized Melanesia because the category had little to do with physical geography, language, or culture but rather was based on a flawed racial theory that the Pacific was inhabited by two distinct human races, a yellow and a black race. In 1832, D'Urville linked the yellow race to Polynesia and Micronesia and linked the black race to Melanesia. Europeans considered and represented the darker-skinned inhabitants of Melanesia as uncivilized savages compared to the lighter-skinned inhabitants of Polynesia and Micronesia. 
While the origin of Melanesia was based off of racialized thinking from Europeans who grouped together Pacific Islanders primarily for the superficial traits of skin color, irrespective of language and culture, today, Melanesia has a positive meaning for the peoples of Melanesia, providing an identity that is confident and imbued with pride, thus overcoming its racist origins. The peoples of Melanesia have taken ownership of the word Melanesia and see their future as Melanesian. So despite its racist origins, Melanesia is now a term of empowerment and a focus of identity. As Solomon Islander scholar Tarsisius Kabutalaka eloquently puts it, since the 1970s, Melanesians have appropriated the term Melanesia and used it for self-identification turning it from a derogatory term to a positive one, a source of pride and self-identification. They have appropriated a colonial concept and deployed it as an instrument of empowerment. Can now we just pause it? Historical context I in which Melanesia was constructed. Let us go. Um, I'd really like to know what it was in the 70s that made them embrace it, made made that inversion happen because the early 70s is very not that i'm any kind of political expert or anything but it's very an interesting time as far as movements go like fabian movements etc particularly in australia at least like 73 um, seems to be a year that pops up a lot um so i'm just wondering what it was that made them decide to see it as a der non-derogatory term what was that that's turned them around do you know I don't. Um, to me, I I almost think that that is more the framing of this video than it might be the reality of things. Like, frankly, if you're not if you're not raised with a frame like a like a worldview that is race centric, like why would you take any offense to being from the Black Islands? You know, like, I assume that it maybe wasn't ever offensive, that that's just context being overlaid. And that, I mean, yeah, the, in a nutshell, the, the, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, Malay, Malaysian, is that right? Melan I, the Melanesians. Melanesian, thank you. The Melanesian islands, like, why? I don't know why would it be why would it be offensive until we put this like new new frame of thinking over well, we, top of it it's sort of like a label though isn't it it's a label that was given to them or you know cast upon sure. them by these outsiders sure. and and look at it again yet again you know the so-called civilized world is creating division based on racism um you know maybe that wasn't the objective but that's what they did. It just seems to come so naturally, doesn't it? <laughs> and they are unique individual racial groups and countries and nations. So to be labelled as just all Melanesians. Yeah, um, like one bucket. Yeah. yeah. I, I uh, just sent you a, a meme, Mike, in the Telegram chat that sums up probably the early European settlers, how they identified Melanesians and Polynesians. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can pull this up on the screen, but I can describe <laughs> it. I can describe it. It's it's Peter Griffin from Family Guy, and there's a um, there's a like a what would you call it a um, paint? Uh, it's a color chart. 
a color chart. Yeah, right. And so Polynesia is the tonal chart. <laughs> and yeah, Melanesia is the dark ones. Um, but yeah, it's like if you were shopping for for uh, color splotches, for culture. For your, if you wanted to paint your house or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it is. It, it goes. I mean, it, yeah, which shade complements the beige? But that's what's so funny is these are all. I mean, frankly, you go back far enough, like everybody apparently is related, right? Like, what what difference does it make? But like, you know, I, I live in a place called Indiana, land of Indians, and I'll be damned if anybody wants to rename it like, fuck you, you know, like, yeah. I, I, I see no up? reason. I see no reason why that should be offensive. So like the fact that they embraced the term Melanesia, I'm like, fuck, yeah. Like, even if they at the same time recognize like we are not one people, we are not all the same but like hey fuck it yeah we're from the we're from the black islands bitch we're black <laughs> as fuck you know like yeah black versus know? yellow though that's sort of what it comes down to isn't it right like you're the right. yellow you're the yellow region we're from the black region so, but that's not how they saw it so that's all sort of back to the original question i'm wondering what it was that made them embrace like was it some sort of influence from the in international monetary fund or something like that sort of like if you just go along with the whole thing we'll give you this here's your fucking cargo you know i don't know it's just a thought i don't know very, i'm very thinking possible. too nice we're, yeah i don't know i mean i don't think they're whatever i think they're just like fuck it yeah we're <laughs> we're from the black islands like suck our dick we're we're, we're <laughs> melanesian so be it um I don't think you they're getting paid are. off or nothing. Own it. Just own it, y'all. Own it. Just yeah. own it. You know? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. I've got a bounce. I've got a, uh, a New Year's Day lunch that uh, we're hosting. So thanks yeah. for having me. Great conversation. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been good. Yeah. Good to see you, Drew. And, see you, Drew. Uh, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, bummer. He's, uh, he's got a good knowledge of all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be good honest, to like, that's that's kind of all I had. Like, we're not going to like necessarily as Ando said one time way back when we're not going to crack this code tonight. Um, but it's <laughs> just, interesting. Codes? it's just interesting to talk about and like try to understand. I, you know, I'm very fascinated with the intersection of like these sort of ancient cultures that were relatively undisturbed who have just in recent history been, you know, exposed. Invited. Right, right. It's very much worth noting how, how that affects them, you know? I It's never good, is it? I mean, well, yeah. You know. Well, it's, it's I mean, always... It depends. it depends what side of the yeah. fence you're on. If you're on the technological convenience side where everything, progress is a good, good thing, then... I guess you see it as a good thing, but I personally don't. I mean, I'm with you that living in harmony with the land and et cetera is where we should be. It's not where we are, but um, that's that would solve any kind of problems that they are telling us that we have, like climate change problems and we mm -hmm. are doing this and whatever and um, all the monoculture problems and the supposed weather problems that spring from monoculturism, if that's the word. Um yeah, so it's like if we were all living that way, there would be none of these supposed problems. But we all know those problems are bullshit anyway, like the carbon bullshit, 
all that stuff. But um, well, okay. yeah, I, I, I think it's worth pointing out. We've kind of alluded to it, but this idea of cargo cults has been um, sort of applied as like a general philosophical psychological principle of like cargo cult thinking. So I kind of want to lay that out. And, um, and again, like Drew did a really good job of pointing out that like, we all suffer from this, I suppose, like logical fallacy, if you will, cargo cult thinking. Um, but until you have it explained, it's hard to identify. Mm. So let me, let me play this and we'll, we'll, let's put it in a box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's all right that we got just you and I for now, like, I think after this video, I've got a funny little thing we can play and then we can maybe just wrap it up and call it a shorter episode than usual. But um, Oh, well, possibly, but I'd really love to tell you my story about the John Fromm thing. Oh, shit, yeah. Hey, let's say okay. hi to we Rose. Can do, let's do the cargo cult thing and say hi to Rose yeah. first. Rose, what's happening? Hello. Oh, you're muted, love. You're muted. Hit, hit your button. Probably on the StreamYard mute. I would say it actually uh, appears Apple D not, or Control D is not, also in an... Yeah, it's not muted on StreamYard. Uh, okay. You might have to ask Ando. Might be on your headset. Uh yeah, cuz he has uh buttons on his headset that glow green and stuff, so give him information cuz he's just a drone. <laughs> 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 he's just repeating what's in the earpiece. <laughs> Just say, hey, Ando, how do I how do I make myself talk? Come away from that brisket. And give me that mute button. <laughs> yeah. So is it, it's, uh, what time? Is it? Oh, she found it. Yeah. Yeah. Holy <laughs> hell. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are hey, you? Hey, uh, We just got in. We are tired. But we have some great food, which we will probably showcase to you guys later. Um, Andy is putting salmon on the smoker for me. And I made potatoes. Rachel and oh, sorry, Rachel and I made potatoes. Actually, Rachel made them. I just instructed. And we made um, beets and carrots. <laughs> the story changes within three seconds. <laughs> but it. it was it was Love wonderful. It. it was wonderful. And we we traveled three miles, no three miles, three hours to get here, but it was worth the drive. It was fucking great. Oh, that's good. That's not too far. How are you guys? Good to see you, Mike. Good to see you, Stella. Likewise. Doing good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, yes. We did my birthday in Vegas, and that was a blast. We did Meow Wolf. And it was like this interactive art exhibit, and you had to go through like different puzzles to kind of solve the overall arching theme. And it was a fantastic week and we have just been doing go 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 shit <laughs> well yeah ando told us about your, your birthday in, in uh, vegas and we uh we we were jealous i'll say that you know what mike next year we're gonna do what my birthday we're gonna just go crazy i don't know what we're gonna do but we're gonna do something <laughs> and be like we're going to get everyone. We're going to get the gang. We're going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to do some crazy shit. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, I hate to say it. It sounds like there's a jet engine behind you. Yes, I'm 
going to put you guys on mute. I just want to say hi and happy new yeah, year. Yeah. It's great to speak to y'all. Happy new year to you. And yeah, we'll, uh, yeah we'll you too. You too, Rose. Bye, guys. <laughs> Have a great day. You say it. Don't forget to hit that mute button. <laughs> I just I hit it for her. I got oh, it. Good. I got it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Nice to have I don't control, know what, isn't it? <laughs> Ando must have something something cooking in there. Uh, it's it's loud. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, but there's no doof doof going on. What's no music? What's what's happening over there? They're uh, listening to air yeah. conditioners. Apparently, yeah. No, it probably isn't Jet air engines. conditioner. He is he is way down there in Texas. It might still be hot. It's kind of cold here where I'm at, but right. And then even here's uh here's the cargo cult thinking, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll take it from there. Hey everybody, Matt Coley here. There's a phrase that I use every once in a while. I've used it in a couple of videos, and I notice when I use it among my friends or my coworkers that they usually have no idea what I'm talking about. They've never heard this phrase before. Maybe they understand it from context, but I thought it'd be fun to do a short little video explaining the origins of the phrase and what it means. The phrase is cargo cult thinking. And cargo cult thinking means you are going through, this is certainly something I have done. You are going through the, you're following the instructions, but you do not understand why the instructions produce the result you're going for. And the reason it's good to be aware of this, and the reason I thought it'd be fun to make a video, is that if you know that's happening, if you recognize in yourself, hang on a minute, I I don't actually understand why this works the way it does. I'm only following the instructions because I hope that if I do so, it produces the outcome I want. You can fight it and you can can stop and say, hang on, let me actually try to understand this. I think when we try to explain computers to our parents, there's a lot of cargo cult thinking there, right? They, they, all they want is they want the answer. They want you to tell them what button to push to fix everything. They don't want to understand why. The phrase and the idea of cargo cult thinking is older than the story I'm about to tell, but the canonical version of the story is that it's World War II and America needs to bomb Japan. And Japan is far away across a huge ocean that has nothing between America and Japan except a whole bunch of little islands. People in Hawaii are now mad at me because I just said they live in a little island, but the, the point stands. And in order to bomb this faraway place, we needed to fly planes there and those planes needed places to refuel. And so we picked some of these islands that were strategically useful to us and we made air force bases there. We cut down trees, we built runways, we built radio towers so that we could signal back and forth to the mainland. And these were stopping and refueling points for the American Air Force. And in some cases, there were people living on these islands and some of them were pre-civilized. I don't know, I'm not sure if they were pre-first contact or not. While the Americans are there on these islands, the islanders notice that these Americans, first of all, they've got a lot of stuff, right? They just have a ton of stuff, which they call cargo. And they notice that every once in a while, Planes fly over the island and drop more stuff. They drop food and they drop clothing and the Americans are cool and the Americans share this clothing and food with the islanders and the islanders think this isn't bad. Now, if you're a sociologist right now or a cultural anthropologist, you are freaking out and heading immediately to the, uh, to the comments to correct me and the various biases I am showing in the making of this video. And that's fine, I encourage you to do so. But the uh, goal of the video is to talk about the way we all can fall into pit traps in our thinking. I am not a cultural anthropologist. I just think it's a cool story and a useful lesson for all of us. These islanders see the Americans and all the stuff they have and they're like, this is pretty good. This stuff is nice. And then the war is over and the uh, Americans leave and the islanders are left behind wondering where the cargo went and when more of it is going to come.
Once the Americans left, the Islanders, who wanted the cargo to come back, did what they thought the Americans were doing in order to summon the planes that dropped the cargo. And that's when something fascinating happened. The Islanders, some of them, started building wicker airplanes, like models, like scale, full-scale models of airplanes made out of wicker and wood and whatever they had nearby. They would build their own radio towers out of wood. They would build headphones out of wood and wicker, and they would build fake microphones. Of course, they didn't realize they were fake because they, the lesson here is, or the example is, they didn't understand what these things did in the first place. They didn't understand what a radio tower was for. They didn't understand why does that dude in that outfit walk up there and he puts these headphones on and he talks into the stick. And if he does it at the right time and if he does it in the right way then the planes come and they drop cargo that is a cargo cult that's a kind of magical thinking the idea that if we go through the process that these other people went through even though we don't understand it it will produce the results we want they have badly misunderstood cause and effect i remember reading an article by an anthropologist about magical thinking in various cultures and the notion for instance the example they were using was a uh, a, a town in very rural Mexico and how the people who lived in this town thought that if you were an adulterer, then your the roof of your house would collapse and fall on you. And so whenever that happened in town, everyone nodded sagely and said, oh, well, that's what happens when, you know, you, you, your eyes wander. And the, the fascinating thing about this article was the person writing it said, now you can, uh, like the, the mistake that, uh, you know, uh, an American might make in learning about this is you want to go to these people and teach them about termites, but they already know about termites. They know what termites do. And they know that termites probably had a hand in causing that guy's roof to fall on him. But they would say, why did the termites pick that guy's roof? The lesson then of cargo cult thinking is that we often find ourselves going through the motions, following a set of instructions without understanding why we are doing this. What was, what is the reason that we do these instructions? And frankly, we live in a very complex world. We live in a world that is so, I mean, I think probably Jefferson was among the last dudes who could reasonably be expected to read everything and understand everything. And in the generation since then, the world is just, we've learned a lot more. The world has just become far more complex. And so there are just times in your life where you cannot be expected to actually understand everything that's happening in a given process. You just know, if I do this, if I follow these instructions, it will produce the result I want. Okay. Bang. Yeah. Bang. Okay. So that, that yeah. takes me to like the church and the printing press. So basically everyone followed along and they believed um, what they were told from the pulpit because generally nobody, there were very few Bibles because everything was handwritten back then um, and only few people could read as well. So Basically, everyone was following what was coming from the pulpit and they couldn't really ask questions. And then the printing press came along. Um, so I'm just thinking about, you know, the control that's had to happen along the way of um, steering the narrative. There's nothing new, nothing new under the sun. You know, I see I see very little difference between John Frum and Anthony Fauci. Yeah. Yep. I very much agree. Yes. Absolutely. And right. nothing much has changed. It's the same tactic though, isn't it? Because humans mm -hmm. are still, humans going to human, you know, we're still mm -hmm. human. So mm -hmm. we've always been kind of human and we always will be. <laughs> uh, uh, hopefully. I had to hopefully. stop and think about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. 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 Dear Lord. Well said. Yeah. Keep us human. Well, Stella, I want to go back to where we started. And um, and just play out this little bit of an interview with the elder of the John from village 
And then after after him is his son, who is going to inherit his rule, if you will, mm-hmm. his um, command. So this is the thing about. Well, I'll just say this is the thing about about cults. It only takes one guy claiming to have talked to God personally to set mm. the chain of events in motion to create a cult. Yep. And basically what isn't understood often ends up being worshipped. So mm. Mm. It's a mystery. Trust. Well Everything said. comes down to trust. Like so many things mm-hmm. come down to trust. Even It makes me laugh because even in this day and age, Filling out forms, make sure you use capitals and use a black pen, blah, 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 blah. and make sure you sign that everything that you've written here is true and correct, blah, blah, blah. It's like, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, comes down to trust. Everything comes down to trust. And it's sort of like, well, if you don't tell us the truth, we're going to, you know, get onto you, litigate you out of existence or whatever. But still, it comes down to trust, doesn't it? Well, it, the, the guy the guy in that last video, he talks about how um, the thing about cargo cults is they believe if you follow these instructions, whether or not you understand them or why you're supposed to do them, if you follow them, you will achieve the desired result. You know, it makes me think about taking shots. It makes me think about paying taxes. It makes me think about following the fucking rules. Yeah, it makes me think about lemmings. Mm-hmm. You know how they, well, let's just follow that guy. <laughs> well, you, would you do that if you knew he's about to run off a cliff? Not sure. Right, right. All right, let me play this out, and uh, and we'll be wrapping her up here in a bit. But I just think the way this whole thing is framed in this documentary was so beautiful. That's why I wanted to kind of start there and end there. Um, again, go check out this, this documentary. It's called Into the Inferno. Islanders celebrate his cult. Chief Isaac of this John Fram village tightly controls the dogma of the new faith. Different denominations and even a schism in the church seem to have materialized. And so we were only allowed to speak to him and his son. He flies the stars and stripes because John Fram is an American who promises to return with copious cargoes of consumer goods. I understand it. 
John Frum one day will appear to all the people and that he will bring many things, chewing gum, fridges, Cadillacs, maybe Boeing airplanes. We're almost at John. I want to acknowledge that I know I've already played this part. Um, I just took it back because I, I think it's worth playing again with all the context that we've gained since we started. Um, but yep, new, new, new material to come. Is that fair? This is Chief Isaac One. They've actually mm -hmm. not spelled his name right there. I S A A K. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, John Broom is like a god to us. The one god. And John Broom is like a god and it is like like John Broom is like is like a is like a cape. It is like Jesus. You have to pass through before going to God. What happens when people die? His believing is that when dead are buried, they are in a room waiting for the last kingdom. Will they meet John from in the last kingdom? Let me see why they meet him in John from the last kingdom. So he thinks that uh, like the last kingdom, like John Room is like a walking person, like Jesus, the last kingdom, it is God that will be touching the people. His son had direct encounters with John Frum. You're next in line to be chief of this John Frum village, and I understand that you have spent time living in the volcano. You spent some nights there. What what were you doing and did you speak to John Frum while you were there? Yeah, he's answering that yes, he's been there and uh, he stayed there for one full night. And he have seen someone and he spoke to him. We, it said that John Frum uses the volcano as a, a portal, a, a doorway to travel from Tana to America. Does John Frum live inside the volcano? He's telling us that uh, John Room has a special room that he's living in it, but there is one day that we will meet him in a different form of a person like Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels. When I was on the volcano, as there usually is with other religions, there's a lot of parallels with, you know, the well, Christian Bible, and I'm sure not that I've read the Talmud or <laughs> or anything, but um, I mean, I heard you know he goes into the volcano and like that he's, I mean, let's remember that he's next in line to be the chief of the village, so of course he's going to 
I mean, I'm not accusing him of anything, but I'm just saying as an authority figure, you would tend to sort of put yourself apart. Like he's saying that his son, I think he was saying that met somebody special, you know, basically it just reminded me of Moses talking to the burning bush. Um, so there's that. And, you know, I mean, they, they are saying that Jesus sort of is in a special place. I'm not sure that they really mean a physical room. I, I feel like the um, translator is, yeah, I don't know, sort of putting a slightly different spin on his answers. Maybe, somehow. maybe. I, I almost think like Just going this, by the body this, language. I think that this, um, this worldview, this religion, this cult, like it's just kind of a comforting sort of um, blend. Like I've already kind of hit on. Like they they kind of took Christian doctrine and mixed it with this mythology of John Frum, and it's created this very like regimented yet comforting uh, code to live by. You know they raise the the American flag every morning for whatever fucking reason they, they do their thing. They march, they pretend to be in, you know, the American army and go through uh, the ritual, go through the ritual of it and, and hope for a better tomorrow. But it, like I said, they're still living this sort of traditional life at the same time. So it's, it's a very strange cult. It's like, like I said, it's like, to me, it's like a good cult. It's like the best cult I know of. Uh, every it's, other it's cult, a- they, they end up all committing ritual suicide and shit. So, like, these guys seem all right. Yeah, I, I sort of see it not much different to Westerners going to church, really. Because, you know, we go to church. Well, you know, here's, here's the story. Here's the narrative. People go to church once a week <laughs> and then they go and live their life the other six days, you know, like some people bring their church into the rest of their life. Some don't, but whatever, no judgment. Just, um, it's sort of like, well, you go and do your ritual on the Sunday and then you go and live your life and do your hunting and fishing on the rest of the week and gathering, which is basically what we do. It's just in a technological form, <laughs> hunters and gatherers in a digital age. It's called a supermarket. It's not a forest. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I love the whole idea of getting back. I mean, I, I was sort of heading that way in Tasmania myself, trying to get back to the land, but um, it's not as easy. Once, you're, once you've been engorged by the uh, system, it's pretty damn hard to break away, as I'm sure most people listening here know. <laughs> but, uh, shall I tell my story at some point? Or... Please, 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 yes. Because I know you're sort of keen to wrap up, so I don't want this to go on too long. It's not a short no. story, but I'll try to make it not too long. No, take your take your sweet time. <laughs> I have to also remember because it was some number of years ago. So this was when I was living in Tasmania towards the end of the 19, 1900s. Doesn't that sound old? <laughs> you can <laughs> say 1990s. Millennium. It doesn't sound as old if you say 1990s. Yeah, towards the 1900s end. Yeah, no, it was basically around the turn of the century, maybe a little bit before. All right? Right. We got that established? All right. We got it. Um, we got it. <laughs> so I was actually, I had taken up uh, martial arts at the time, which was a thing called Bujinkan Kabudo. I was living in Tasmania. Oh, okay, we're going to have Andrew. I'll, I'll save this. Hello. <laughs> Did you all have me muted? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, thank you. You're for muted, muting. Mike. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> oh my gosh, she she pressed the wrong button. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I just took I took over. Oh, okay, good, good. How how's everything going? What are what are we discussing good, man. now? Well, uh, Stella's, hey, Stella's sharing her story. How's the party? How's the party over there? Um, brisket, mac and cheese, beets, potatoes, salmon's on the grill. Yeah, everything's going pretty good. <laughs> Sounds like a country and western song. So Stella, Stella's sharing what she knows personally about this John from phenomenon. I, I'm so glad I came back for this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it's a bit of a story, so I hope your brisket's not going to burn. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yes, I was in Tasmania just to catch Ando up. In Tasmania, I had just started doing Butinkan Kabuto, which is the martial arts down there, and which is unusual. But anyway, uh, met this dude who was the um, guy that was running it, and longer story short, his – when I met his family, he, very unusual people, Ameri- Americans, uh, New Yorkers, I think. So this guy's into his martial art, like fully, fully into, lives it, lives it and breathes it. And I did for a couple of years as well. Um, and his, they, uh, from my understanding, it was a bit of a grey story. They basically got kicked out of America and they found, you know, nice little anonymous Tasmania (laughs) and there's all sorts of sort of side stories I could tell but I won't long story short this guy father the father and I will say his name but I won't say his last name so his name was Kim and his wife was Sherry and they would have been in there at that point late 60s I guess mid to late 60s I, I would assume they might even have passed on by now anyway he claimed he'd, he'd been to Vanuatu a lot and he claimed to be a guy called John Fromm, F-R-O-M, based on really? John Frum, right? Now, so he himself oh. claimed to be this person, the returned wow. messiah to this. And he used to spend, they used to go to Vanuatu and, I mean, they did a lot of good work. They water into places that didn't have water. They built little, you know, hutty things for people. They, uh, I don't know exactly what they were doing, but they they did lots of good things, like, you know, practical things, lots of hard work type things. And I had another friend who sort of basically joined him in the trips. I don't know how involved he was, like religiously or whatever, but uh, he was a plumber. And so he went over there a couple of times. He ended up getting a wife there. (laughs) Anyway. The where where do I come in? Okay, so I can't remember exactly how it came about, but I ended up writing this song. Uh, there was a documentary. That's right. They were making. They were filming a documentary. Now I remember. And his he had the two sons. So one son was my martial arts guy. The other son was right into doing like video producing and making videos and stuff. Um, this was in very old days when rendering would take, you know, rendering a decent documentary would take three, four days. <laughs> so computer power wise. And we didn't really, we, there was no internet as well down in Tasmania there at this point. So, uh, yeah. Um, 
they were making a docu- documentary. They sort of told me the rough outline. I didn't know anything about John Frum. And again, I didn't have the internet. So, and I was raising little kids at the time. So I didn't really have time to go off and research. What the hell is this? You know, it just sounded awesome. I only heard, you know, the, the rough bits. Uh, he was, this man, Kim, was quite, um, I would say almost magician-y. Like it was almost being, I didn't get a, a great feel from him. I think there was a side of him that was very, very dark, very dark. But either way, um, and his, oh, gosh, I hope they never hear this. His wife was sort of, you know, I mean, nice enough, but a bit, Quite eccentric, quite eccentric. That's probably the nicest way to put it. <laughs> um, you got, the whole house always used to stink of wine and marijuana. <laughs> and um, anyway, so, yeah, I ended up writing this song for them and, like, he, it was like it put some, he just absolutely loved this song. He, apparently, like his son, Mark, he, he told me, Dad plays it, like, all the time, every day, a few times a day. It's like we hear it all the time. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, good. He actually, he gave me a little semi-contract that he put together to sign over the rights to it as well. So I don't know whatever happened, but I did hear that apparently it was converted into the island language of Vanuatu, whatever that was, um, and that if I ever went there, that they would treat me like a queen. (laughs) No kidding. Holy hell. So I never went there though. I really wish that I had actually. I wish I'd experienced I wonder that. I wonder <laughs> you should find out what documentary that was because oh, God. I mean I I pulled yeah. I pulled at least one of these clips I pulled from like an hour long documentary about about the John Frum thing. Um so apparently Vanuatu is like kind of the state if I'm not That's mistaken. The island and, I think that used to be the New well, Hebrides is that correct? Okay, well, so there's the South Pacific yes, yes. nation, South 1930s. Pacific nation of Vanuatu, and Tana. Tana is an island in this nation. In it's not yes, yeah, it's a Vanu- not... Vanuatu island. Tana yes. is yes. Well, so it says here I... the religion centering on John Frum arose no later than the late 1930s when Vanuatu was known as the New Hebrides, and Tana is yes, an island of Vanuatu the new what now area can you can you so it used to be called okay i'll just read that again when vana uh sorry arose the john from blah 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 arose from the late 1930s when vanuatu was known as the new hebrides hebrides that's just the old name for it correct okay well apparently tana tana whatever you want to call it um tana i think it is Apparently, they got the name when they asked the natives what the name of the island was. They said Tana, Tana, uh, which in the native tongue means earth. They had no right. other word. They had no other word uh, okay. for where they lived except earth. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which Isn't that beautiful? Is, is beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. That's why I'm like, like, I'm so envious. I'm so envious of these people. I'm like, I want to live in that village and I want to sing along with their, with their song. And I want to think like that. Yeah. Like, Like, I don't care. Screw all this division and province and borders and shit. They just, like their, their whole province was just the earth. 
Well, you got the sky and you got the water and you got the earth. We live on the earth because we don't live in the water and we don't live in the sky. That's as simple as that. Beautiful. I'm like, I'm like, it's it's kind of funny and it's kind of weird that they like hoist the American flag and they worship this hypothetical guy named John Frum. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, fuck it. There's some island in the South Pacific that thinks America's badass, you know, and I'm like, I, I kind of think America's badass, even though I hate my government, you know, like, I'm like, I love this country and I'm like, Hey, fuck it. I, oh, uh, why, why should we, uh, yeah, let's, let's call them a colony. You know, they seem all right. Let's, let's invite them on in. Fuck it. Let's go. Tana, Tana is officially an American colony. I'm calling it right here. Based. <laughs> Tana is based. Tana's based, man. The yeah. more Tannerarians in the world. Yeah, and John Frum. John Frum for the win, you know? Maybe he was yeah. just some American GI, you know, who, who was just like, hey, don't give up on what you got. But then again, they talk about him like he spoke every language and this and that. And he was some, uh, he was, I'm pretty sure, like a total hallucination. Um, it actually well, makes me think, it, well, it makes me think of the myth of where the word Hoosier comes from. You know, I'm a Hoosier. I was born and raised in Indiana. And we don't call ourselves Indians. We call ourselves Hoosiers. And it's like nobody knows where the word came from exactly, except that, you know, maybe it meant like who's there. You know, somebody knocks on the door and you say, who's there? And there's a few other theories. But I'm like, mm -hmm. this this idea of John from, like, maybe there was a John from America. And it just, this this snowball effect of mythology, of legend, yeah, urban well, legend, mean, if you will, right? This is oral tradition, isn't it? And um, Oral tradition, yeah. I don't think, I'm not sure whether they had any writings I don't think they did. So can you imagine, I mean, this is like the ultimate Chinese whispers, really, because you've got the oral tradition over time passed through different people, and then you've got the kava. <laughs> so that kind of muddies the waters a little I bit, think, you know. <laughs> I think the kava I think the kava muddies the water quite a bit because quite uh, a bit. truth be told, it's only been a few generations and like we have footage of like grandpa. And then we've got footage of dad and then we've got footage of son. So like, it's not as if uh, this is a thousand year old oral tradition. Uh, no, I think the kava has got a lot to do with it. It kind of makes me want to try kava in like heavy dosage. <laughs> it would be interesting. A bit like the ayahuasca experience, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort yeah of makes no you feel doubt. sick and it's disgusting, but amazing apparently at the same time. Right. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to. It's sort of like, I mean, it's not much different to tripping. The reason these things work is because they're toxins. <laughs> they're toxins true, in your body. True, so it's true. like, you know, you've got to, it comes down to trusting the person that's serving it to you, which, you know, I would definitely trust a mannerism. What are they called? Mannerist. Uh, a, a certain, a native from manor. <laughs> I would trust them to mix it, but I don't know if I'd trust the guy up in Mullumbimby, you know, like just up the road. <laughs> Which you know, you know they do. Have... I, I they do ayahuasca um, things apparently in Australia. I've known someone who went to one, so they're not like fully that like they're an Aussie version. 
if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be like the B-grade ayahuasca experience, I'd imagine. I don't know. I shouldn't talk it down because I've never experienced it, but uh, I think it's pretty dangerous. Who knows? Dealing with My... opening your pineal glands and what have you. True, you know, true. You want to really D- do your research. DMT actually scares the shit out of me uh, for some reason. The whole idea that you you have a DMT trip like when you're born and then when you die, like if that if that is in fact true, I'm like maybe I shouldn't fuck with it in the in the meantime, you know? Yeah, it's like, a sort of like playing a chemical Ouija board, or you know. Some people think roulette. it's like some people think that it's like the condensation of the soul. It's like when you're born, your soul comes together, and then when you die, it kind of goes. And uh, the DMT is a big part of that. I don't know. I don't it's know. A, well, you know, it's also opening doors. And it is dabble- as much as anybody wants to say that they understand exactly what goes on, they don't, okay? It's just, everything's a belief system. It all comes down to trust. And the thing is, you know, dabbling with these things. And, I'm, you know, I mean, I've done it myself. I haven't done ayahuasca or kava, but, I've, you know, had a number of trips in the past. And, um, and, it definitely, you know, you could be opening doors to things. You could. It's just you don't really know what's going on. And as far as, I mean, we don't understand shit about other dimensions, do we? Nobody does. We're only, you know, even physics itself changes and evolves. So we're never going to get to a point of all knowing. So therefore, everything is a, just a test, a dabbling. Um, I guess it's up to you to do your own research and really understand what you're doing because if you don't, it's sort of like, cargo cult isn't it i'll just go through these motions because somebody said this experience is amazing and it's going to open you up to this new dimension of thinking and blah blah it's like well Mm -hmm. is that how it's going to be for you though because it's all very individual some people freak out when they have a a trip Mm -hmm. some people have Mm -hmm. i mean i remember going through a stage where it's like i never ever want to not be feeling this again (laughs) like i don't want to ever come down but then you know you then you reach a point where it's like oh it just goes on for too long. So, so yeah, yeah. You just grow up, yeah. I suppose, is the way to put that. But um, the micro dosing, I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe. Well, that's, that's a whole, a whole episode, maybe. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But I do like that you brought up the cargo cult thinking because um, I'm like, I'm like, I think people get into this mind mindset where because, you know, because they've gotten the goods before they think they're going to get it forever and mm, they just yeah. sit on their laurels about shit exactly right and it's kind of funny this might be the first wtf forum where we actually stuck to like one topic <laughs> but, <laughs> well we've been um, in lots of different angles of it It's also like civilization mingling with the wild, isn't it? Because, you know, you've got now bears and wolves that are sort of crossing their boundaries, even though there were no boundaries. People made the boundaries. Uh, It all sounds a little bit WEFE. I apologize for that because I'm not (laughs) aligned with them. But some of their thinking about the wildlife, et cetera, I can't help but align this in the sense of I don't want to see the wildlife disappear just because people sprawl out into their habitat. So there's that, you know. It's the way they go about it. But anyway, um, so there's, you know, you know, the, you know the wild they're, animals they're becoming reliant on civilization, which is exactly what's happening here. It's like the the animal version yeah. of the cult cargo. But the 
if you think if you think because the WDF like uh, advocates for for animal rights, um, you don't you don't have to agree it's with not them. For they're, the right they're, reasons. <laughs> they're appealing they're appealing to your better nature for the wrong reasons. Don't that's right you know, exactly. Oh, I one's know. got one's got nothing to do with the other. Um, no. Yeah, they don't want the green zones because they love animals. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, let me let me let me just show this. Uh, this is what I thought would be kind of a funny thing to close on, because I saw it and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, this is okay. It's kind. Of, it's even shocking for me as far as like what cops think they can do and get away with. Um, <laughs> before we before we do, can I just say one thing quickly? Go ahead. Um, in in uh, Discord, the DM I DM'd you. I don't know if you want to, but there's that audio file. You, you can go out on that song if you want to, the John Fromm song. It's very strange. So hmm. that's up to you if you would Discord? like that idea. Discord um, or um, Telegram? Yeah, DM, oh, I'm sorry. Telegram. Did I say Discord? Okay. Yeah, yeah. My apologies. Um, Telegram. So right, I DM'd me... you in Telegram. And it, you can download it while we're watching this if you like or whatever. Just a suggestion. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yep. All right. Here. Just wanted you to know cool. it was there. Is uh yep okay here we go. How about a drink? It's nasty, sickening behavior. Innocent people just standing there, getting slushies thrown at them from a passing car. And you won't believe who's throwing the drinks. They're uniformed police officers patrolling the streets of Louisville, Kentucky, in an unmarked car. You can hear them yucking it up the entire time. They actually record their cool antics and shared the video with some of their fellow cops. In this incident, a marked police car following them records a slushie hitting a pedestrian. The outrageous attacks took place over 11 months in 2018 and 2019, but the video has only been obtained this week by the Courier Journal newspaper following a freedom of information request. Locally, the scandal became known as Slushy Gate after at least <laughs> four innocent civilians had slushies like this thrown at them. The two officers in the undercover car were identified as Curtis Flynn, 40, and Brian Wilson, 36. They were members of an elite undercover drug task force. Both have pled guilty. Flynn was sentenced to three months. Wilson got 30 months. And it wasn't just slushies. The accused cops also seemed to take pleasure in driving through puddles, drenching people waiting at bus stops. How about a drink? Hmm. It's now sickening behavior. Innocent people just standing think that's there looping now. Slushies thrown at them from a. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm very pretty, sus of that. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, I don't know. I, that's just so out, like ridiculously unruly and out there. For two police, I, I feel like they might oh, be provocateurs somehow. I know I don't doubt it for a second. I think this was just two dickheads who happen to have badges. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, well, I, I think know. it's I... genuinely it's 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 like teenager behavior, but because mm. they have like qualified immunity, they just thought they could do it and get away with it, and it's gross and it's disgusting and it's. It's cargo cult thinking because we all think we can just depend on the police and then a couple of dickheads throw a slushie in your face. 
You know? Yeah, that makes my point though. Is that part of the narrative that's been trying to be placed? Because I know, I know there. I mean, part of the big picture is to break down all systems so that their one system can replace what's broken, which is controlled demolition by them, TM. But I, I just feel, I mean, it, it's that, or maybe it is. Maybe it's just a couple of bloody idiots. But also, it's it's a reflection on the training, isn't it? If if that if it is the case that that's a couple of bloody idiots who just go wild because they can, then obviously the training is majorly broken down because there's no structure there that has instilled any kind of self-respect or discipline that police require to do their job. Um, how did hooligans like that get through the training? Is my point, my question. Which makes me sort more suspicious about it. Are they agent provocateurs? Well, uh, I mean, supposedly they were part of some like special uh, drug task force. Like they were like not your just run of the mill coppers. So I don't know. It, it is. Well, they had police written on the front of them, so they looked like run of the mill type coppers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And then look what's happened. It goes viral, I suppose, or whatever. It's and here we are talking about it. So it's like it's um, added to the the narrative. It's added to the impressions are going out there. It's added to the thinking, the communal thinking, the car, the cult, you know, cargo cult thinking. Um, so that's partly why, yeah, I like to sort of get step away from the news so much, which I suppose incorporates what's going on on social media, etc. Like on a Twitter sort of and. What's the other one that that one came from? TikTok? Yeah. I don't join any of them because it's all just too too in the moment, too fast, whatever. Um, comes and goes. You're not, you're not wrong. Well, no. energy. It's like an energy battery. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, to me, it's just like it was, it's such an egregious. Um... Well, like Occam's razor for you. It's just two bloody idiots in a car. Two, two goddamn idiots with badges. I don't know. Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah. I'm like, just don't. You don't. You don't wait and hope that somebody's going to come save you. Whether it's John from or your local, uh, you know, Andy Griffith, you know, copper. It's like, save yourself. You know, Jesus saves perhaps, uh, but don't don't put your your faith in any man. You know, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. We keep coming back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like what, what perfect example of these particular tribes that we've looked at tonight, they couldn't explain what was dropping out of the sky. So they started worshiping it. Right. So is that, and I don't, I don't mean this in a heretic way. Okay. Um, mom, if you're listening, um, <laughs> is that sort of like modern religion? Are we just following you know, what we've, what's been spoken from the pulpit in a very traditional, long drawn out way. And we talk about prayer and we question why prayer works. And of course, you know, the energy frequency vibration theories of Tesla, etc., come into it, of course, quantum physics, etc. Um, but there's no doubt prayer works and whatever it is, whether it's, you know, power of attraction or harnessing whatever energy, we don't understand it. So it's a religion, but you know, is there going to ever be a point where that, all that and I think we're all sort of on the verge of it now, really, because even though I'm a Christian, I still question a lot of what's in the Bible and how the Bible came to, to be and who actually wrote it and how much it's been changed and all those things that many other people out there are questioning right now. Drew is well, also one of them. Simply how it's presented, too. I mean, how it's... Yeah, and how the it, evolution. How it's, 
how it's interpreted. Um, yeah. Yeah, because like it's been written in, you know, multiple languages and interpreted over and over again by man um, with different agendas. So um, there's, you know, <laughs> they, they say the essence of it stays the same, and I do believe that. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's never, ever going to be any different. But, you know, as far as the rituals and the words and the followings like we're talking about, that I think can be questioned too, and maybe that also will evolve as we come to understand more about science, like science and religion, not religion, science and spirituality can merge and can complement. It doesn't have to be rivals, you know. Didn't we Didn't we talk about this like Pretty not much. long ago? Yeah. Can't yeah. assume that everybody but, listening has heard every single episode. <laughs> yeah, but the the merging we of did. the spirit the spiritual with the scientific, uh, perhaps that's the place to be, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's I think that's where we are. And I think Yeah, yeah. Possibly that is why there's such I mean, that's this is a human race. We it's funny that we're called the human race because that's really is what it is. There's there's this constant race between power grab race and it's like if humanity's at this crossroads of people wake this mass awakening that 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 can't be questioned there is a mass awakening and if you don't know that your head is definitely in the sand you know so that's mm -hmm. unquestionable there's a mass awakening happening they tm know that as well so the race is on for the last frontier the final frontier which is our minds our souls, mm. they want our souls. Um, mm -hmm. So they want to transform us into technology, whereas the natural organic road would be transforming into a spiritual being, which is the kingdom of heaven is within. Jesus said mm. it himself. I keep saying this. Well, Luke 17, maybe, that's, maybe that's why I got so fascinated by a tribe that lives such a natural life but worships technology, you know, like mm. what a, what a, what a juxtaposition. What a, mm -hmm. what a, mm. Mm. I, that, that's exactly anywho. the word. Yeah. That's the word yeah. because that, when I was watching those beautiful smiling or gorgeous native people, you know, with their holding onto the chain link fence, watching the taxiing ships, uh, airplanes, airplanes on the tarmac. Yeah. That was well, the, the juxtaposition. That's the perfect word for it. It was, it was so sad. It was like these. And I just want to run at yeah. them and say, hey, don't. Don't embrace this. Stay you, you exactly as it. you are. You don't need it. Well, they're they're yeah. waiting for John Frum to bring them refrigerators and motorcycles and, you know, fill in the blank, you know. And iPhones. It's, it's, it's funny. Well, but the, the list of things that they Go use. It's like it's like out of the 1950s. They're like, we want airplanes and motorcycles and refrigerators. They're mm. they're still like that's because even still they don't have that. And it's like, but you don't need it, bro. Exactly. You've been, you've been living so good. I'm yeah. like, let me let me join you. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will worship. I will worship John from if I can just <laughs> raise pigs and fucking drink kava. And yeah. not think about anything else, Fish. you know. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. yeah how, it's a how, much much better yeah. way to be, and the world would be a better place without 
this kind of progress because really it's making us sick. I almost see these people as being more Christ-like than almost anybody else I've ever seen because they're just living and loving. But maybe I'm being generous there. You know, I'm sure there's problems, but they, they seem to be living the true authentic human existence that I, that I would, you know, I would give my left nut for, but what are you going to do? You know, I wasn't born. You don't want to be just solo nutted. So, you know, yeah, that too. (laughs) Well, so this song, I've got it queued up. Um, This was the song. This was the song you made for the documentary. Yes. And prior warning. Okay. It's not what you're going to (laughs) expect. Okay. All right. Let's check it out. I tried to make it sound nativey. So are we signing off after this or, or are we going to? Not immediately. Well, I mean, okay. yes, right. but like we'll, we'll, we'll say our goodbyes. I just, I want All to I'm sorry. What the fuck, Stella Q? Okay, I I bring this topic <laughs> to the forum, and you've got this song. Well, you didn't. Why didn't me. you? Why, why didn't you just like slap me in the first five minutes of this episode and say, "Play play this song before we talk about anything else"? <laughs> Holy fuck, John Frum, you've yeah. been gone too long. <laughs> what 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 is going on? Oh my god! Oh my god! What the fuck? I told you I had a little story. <laughs> yeah, you told me you had a story. Hot, hot damn. What the fuck? Should I keep playing it? <laughs> I'm like, I'm fuck? having a fucking existential crisis over here. I'm like, <laughs> how many, how many goddamn synchronicities does one guy need? This is oh, look, when, when you said John from, I just went, oh, you, you, you are kidding. You are kidding. You got and no, I was like, oh, no, I got to no, find this well, track. You know, I even, <laughs> like 20 I even heard you. I heard you in that moment. I'm like, Stella's got something here. But then you <laughs> yeah. never, you, you didn't, you didn't push it. Oh man! I didn't want to oh. throw you off track, man, because you had to, oh. you had a plan, man. Well, but I'm the just plan going with you. Always, I'm your wingman. <laughs> I never have a plan. I just have a, I just have a fucking thought. I have a thought that I try to follow, but it's not always easy. God damn! <laughs> you waited till two hours and thirty minutes in to drop this load of, <laughs> you know, fucking TNT on my head. Holy well, it's, shit. it's a little bit on the slow side, so maybe we should go out on it because, you know. It, oh, well, it we're, we're kind of going out, long but long. I want to listen okay. to the rest. I want to listen okay. to it. And I might, <laughs> I might pause. I might pause again. We'll see. All right. Taken from our hands, freedom has been 
You're muted. You're muted. You're the you're the one we're depending on. That's, yes. I mean, oh my god. So you're like you're like the um, Sixto Rodriguez <laughs> of of what's this place called Tenactu or whatever. Tena. Uh, Vanuatu. 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 You're, oh, it's you're apparently the, a beautiful place. You know, you know the story of Sixto Rodriguez, though, right? Oh, yes, yes, very familiar with was, Rodriguez. He was one of my heroes. Some, yeah, yeah. Some guy I from Detroit. Rodriguez. He didn't yeah. even have any. He had no clue that <laughs> he was a super that he was a superstar in South Africa. Yeah. So, but but you actually already know you. Okay, Stella, I'm sorry. We got to like stash <laughs> away some cash here, and we got to make a trip for the WTF forum. We need to go to Vanuatu. <laughs> And figure out just anyone. how much of a find out how much of a superstar you you just might be. Oh gosh, that was like we're getting on to maybe a generation and a little bit ago now. Like I mean, oh. I'm talking when was yeah, this? These... So it was around 2000 ish. I think I wrote this maybe mm. 1999, something like that. No shit. So I don't know if those people would really remember me, but whatever. <laughs> is there is there another verse yet? We we haven't there played is. the song yet. Okay, all right, on. all right, all right. Let's go.
I I cannot believe you just let us have two hours of conversation without <laughs> just being like, wait, stop, just fuck all of this. We have to play my music right right fucking now. Maybe <laughs> not wouldn't Well, no, no, because it's too <laughs> synchronistic, Stella Q. Oh, well, when you wrote. Me. <laughs> when you wrote when you wrote this song, would you ever have imagined you'd like twenty what no <laughs> fifteen fifteen years later we're coming Ooh. back around to it? It's a bit more than that actually, I can tell you. And I'll tell you something uh, else. That is a world oh, right. yeah, premiere yeah. because nobody else outside of that well, apart from Vanuatu, apparently, but I don't know that. That's just what they told me. But nobody else, anyway. Like my friends and that, they, they haven't even heard it. <laughs> John, John from John. It was from, a very John. specialized, customized thing, so I just sort of left yeah, it I to said, them. I said fifteen years. Now that I'm actually thinking about Probably it, about twenty two, twenty five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, anyway, let's not get carried away. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, you know, Down. it's twenty twenty. It's twenty twenty four where you're at. Shit, I'm eh? still, I'm still, I'm still uh, an hour and twenty minutes away. But uh, oh, okay. Oh, you've got no. Actually, wait, up to two do. two hours and twenty minutes away. But hmm. I'm probably going to be asleep by then. Yeah, but 2024. <laughs> so you're saying this was from 1999? Oh, about that, something like yeah, that. that. The math, I think maybe, that says maybe 2001 ish. I'd have to look it up. I think it. That says about 25 years. Oh, shush. Look, I'll tell you something else. That's gonna, <laughs> I'll tell you something else that's going to severely date me, but I don't care. Um, all right. Yeah. So that was actually recorded on a four-track Tascam mm. 234 Sinker set, which is a four-track recorder with no EQ, um, and I bounced it down to make 10 tracks. So if Bear Snare's listening, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about and probably yeah. some several other people. But um, that was a, an achievement in itself because that's all cassette tape, like it wasn't real to real. This was quite a – oh, Fido, speak of the person Fido who's going to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice pop-in. <laughs> you, you said my name too many times, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were looking burning. in the mirror. We were looking in the mirror. Said, yeah. <laughs> You said phytophiliac, phytophiliac, phytophiliac. <laughs> How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys, too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you too. It's been pretty wild and woolly last few weeks. You've yeah. got a pretty full rearview mirror, but it's in the rearview mirror now, so congratulations, I hope. For the most part, yeah. Um, I was actually just telling some friends that um, I had um, Friday was my official last day in my official capacity of my job. And really? I had agreed yeah. to stay on for an additional two weeks to help with training. And as it turns out, the person that I was going to be training had decided to opt out. So she is no longer part of the plan. And so now they have to come up with an alternative one. And I was like, that's not my problem to solve. <laughs> <laughs> Let it so go. <laughs> it, may, it may just be a week that I'll be there. So we'll see what happens. But uh, All right. for the most mm. part, I'm, I am so excited. It's a new beginning. Uh, yeah. everything is, things are changing and that's good. It's good. Yeah. A good change. To have. Excellent. So. Well, it's really good to see you, Fido. Um, you know, Me it's, too. I, I imagine you weren't probably tuned in, but I, I literally just had my brain melted. Um, <laughs> just for your sake, I'll explain very, very quickly. I'll say, you know, I brought this super obscure topic to the forum tonight. <laughs> 
like mega obscure, like this random island in the South Pacific called Tana with this cult group that worships this guy called John Frum. And it turns out that Stella Q 25 years ago wrote a song about John Frum. Five years ago. You can't slip nothing past her. I'm saying, I'm 25 years ago, my son. Oh my God. I'm like, what (laughs) in the world? What is happening here? I was just, I was just saying, Photo, you came in on the perfect time because I was just explaining that I'd recorded it on a, on a Tascam 234 cassette sinker set four track and bounced it down. So it was like, it became the 10 tracks. Yeah, you can bounce ping pong them. So, um, yeah, yeah, I was just in the middle of that. And then you arrived. I thought, oh, there's someone who will understand. So, uh, yeah, all analog and tape and ancient and antiquated, yeah. but, you know, whatever. Whatever the medium, as long as the uh, thing gets across. Right. <laughs> the dude liked it. That's awesome. <laughs> the documentary, if it actually exists, I don't even know. Now you've spun me out, Mike, I'm going to have to uh, try to pursue them. I'm tripping out here. I'm tripping out here, but... Fido, Fido, you got anything to give to the forum before we uh, call it a night here? You got a, you, you got any uh, any big bombs to drop on our heads like you tend to do out of thin air? <laughs> like I'm like, you never know what Fido might come with, you know? I think she's crocheting a bomb there, isn't she? What are you crocheting? Yeah. I'm working on <laughs> my bomb. son's. It's my son's late Christmas present. It is called the Waffle Stitch, and I'll give you three Ooh. guesses. So why it's called that? Because <laughs> it doesn't it kinda, look like a crumpet. Kind of looks like yeah, not a not a crumpet, and it not doesn't even crumpet. look like an English muffin. That's like, a waffle. It's definitely a waffle. This is, this is like really, it's really long. It's like way longer than my arms. My son is fifteen, yes. and he is now six feet tall. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a full head and a half taller than me now. And so I had to get his measurements before I could start the sweater to make sure I made it big enough for him. Damn, how many heads? Damn. How many heads is the scarf? Is that how you measure them? Like a head and a half? <laughs> I, well, this is his wingspan. So he, I had him stretch his arms out, and I did wrist to wrist. So this, yeah, measures, not a scarf. It's a sweater. It's going to be a sweater. This is, this is going to be the top part of the sweater, and it's going to oh, go. Sweater. It's going to go all the way across, and then I'm going to go oh, wow. down, do the trunk that way. I'm going to do two mm-hmm. of these and sew them together to make the sleeves, and then I'm going to do the trunk down. Right. In the middle. Nice. Nice. I like the forest no, green. Yeah, he said he well, wanted green. So, Excellent. Fido, I, I gotta say, Fido, it was fun. It was fun going back. Um, I put together like a greatest hits episode, yeah. and I could only get through the first twelve episodes of the forum, but that included yeah. you. That that included you, and uh, we were. It was when we were talking about butt worms and shit, and uh, <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> It was so funny to go back to, to that. I'm going to go catch yeah. the replay. It up. Yeah. You mean you were talking funny. about butt worms all the way back then as well? Oh, butt worms. We, we've been, <laughs> they just we've never been go talking, away, do they? <laughs> we've been talking butt worms since day one. Yeah. Hey, man, that's the real pandemic. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Bloody persistent, aren't they? <laughs> butt worms. You never know who's got butt worms. You never know. Oh, Make oh, butt worms great again. I was like, I was at the laundromat, like picking out clips and shit, laughing my ass off, like to myself with my headphones in with people, 
people all around me they're like this guy's nuts yeah this i was laughing let me get my shit and leave <laughs> <laughs> something wrong with him maybe he's got butt work yeah <laughs> probably, probably. i want some i want what he's having <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome people probably no, appreciate it I don't have any bombshells to drop at the moment. I'm kind of taking it easy for the holidays, but I promise That's you cool. I'm going to come with the big guns when I get ready. So y'all just well, get ready. Yeah. Let's, maybe, a uh, let's... Weeks, maybe a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll come up with something really good. <laughs> Sorry. Let's uh, take our hats off to Photo for coming up with an excellent track for the theme. Well, the basics. Yeah, anyway. yeah. We haven't, we haven't <laughs> seen you since effort. you were... Uh... I can't take all credit. It was totally a team effort and it was so it... much fun. You you were yeah. the cement slab, that's for sure. <laughs> that's how I see it. You know, the band I've is been a slab. Things, okay, then a slab. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> a flower bed, a beautiful she, she flower it, bed. She meant it in a good way. I mean, <laughs> it in a really solid way, sister. <laughs> solid. <laughs> You're the rock. You're the rock that the house is built on. That's it's right. not built on sand. It's not Foundation. built on. What's the other one? Uh, mud. Sand. I don't know. Oh yeah, gravel? sand, gravel. gravel. I don't know. Yeah, that was Bubble a gum. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know. But you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you didn't bring us. You didn't necessarily bring us butt worms, but you brought us the shit pill. Thank you for that. that I did bring I'm the like, shit pill. You brought I the shit pill. I was thinking about that the other day, and I was thinking, I was like, <laughs> I cannot believe they came up with a shit pill. I just cannot, <laughs> for the life of me. I was like, they really, this, we used to be a serious planet, you know. Things used yeah. to be yeah. around here. I was like, they're Many just, moons ago. they're just screwing with us now. They're just janking, yanking our chains now. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it takes, it takes a fair amount of work to go back through all of the old episodes oh, yeah. and pick out, and yeah. pick out the highlights, but it's yeah. so worth doing. Did you get the one with the gun? The episode with the guns, Ando was brandishing his gun, and I brandished oh, yeah. mine. Did yeah. you get that one? That no, was a well, good one. I, and then I dropped the it. I haven't even <laughs> dropped. I haven't made it that far. I only got through the first twelve episodes. We've, this is, I believe, I believe this is forty-two WTF forums. Yeah, it's a lot. It's fucking nuts, man. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> well, it's interesting how it's interesting because how do you cram that many gems into like just one episode? I mean, how long was how long is this episode now? What going on three hours? <laughs> yep, they tend. Yeah, to. yeah, they but but to. we're coming from Fido. We're coming from two different time zones. So I'm in the future right now, and you guys. She's are in, in a different too. year. She's you guys in a are so last year. She. We are so last year. <laughs> Yeah, That's I why we can't pull anything past her. She's living in the future, man. <laughs> That's it, man. She's ahead I'll of send the you curve. Some warnings. Always, always. <laughs> Got your backs <laughs> from the front. From honestly, the front. <laughs> honestly, we we're probably not, but like I would love to think we are currently the only podcast that is coming at you from two different years. I All would venture once. to think you could be correct. We should put we a might, uh, survey out we there. Might be. We might yeah. be. Can we answer this question? Is this an answerable question? I don't know. Because, I am, because I am... we had Drew, so he wasn't doing anything with any Americans at that time. 
and he's having lunch now. So shout out, Drew. I imagine some dude in, uh, I don't know, the Philippines might have talked to some guy in fucking New York <laughs> City. But, you know, from. we can, we can, ass- yeah, j- hey, nobody else Junior? was talking about John Frum. I know that John Frum Jr.? <laughs> yeah. We're the only, the only John Frum podcast coming at you from two different, <laughs> two different years. <laughs> it's not at hard very, to get. <laughs> at the very least, yeah. Well, this is a world first, so we we cracked it. We're there. We've arrived. Honestly, my brain my my brain still melted a little bit, Stella, because <laughs> that's too weird. That's too weird. Fido, yeah. you're gonna get used you're to gonna... get used to weird because I think we're gonna see a lot of weird and synchro yeah. increasing exponentially. I think, I think 2024 is gonna be the year of the weird. Oh, excellent! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the year the year of synchronicity. There's going to be a lot of weird shit happening. That's my prediction for 2024. And did you see where I posted? And you know, I'm not trying to big mouth, but I just thought it was an interesting observation that the Olympics logo, which is sort of you know meant to be 24, looks like the Jupiter logo, which is also the Hmm. elemental. Thanks, shout out to Kielthor for pointing this out. It's also the elementary elemental logo for tin. <clears throat> which is sort of funny with simple hats, but regardless. Um, yeah, and it's the 33rd Olympics, and, you know, we've got that. I don't really fully haven't gone into it, but I have read a little bit about the um, United Nations and the Olympics and the sort of the whole, mm, I suppose what you'd say, darker elements and connections. And you've only got to look at the opening ceremonies of, and everything of the past, you know, the Olympics and the, what's the other one, um, the other games. Anyway, I think it's mainly the Olympics. The X Games? No, there's the other ones. Anyway, whatever. But the Olympics is the main one. And they've always got that thing, you know, they've always got those really, it's like the half bowl, the halftime Super Bowl things where there's lots of ritualism and. Oh, yeah. Symbolism. Yeah. 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 Um, So I'm, my eyes are very much on July, August 2024 for some kind of huge event. And I'm not trying to scare people because it, might be something positive maybe that's de- maybe that's going to be dependent on our collective energy who knows <clears throat> well we know they already do things like on a on a cyclical basis anyway they 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 tend to line stuff up with like the solstices and the equinoxes and the dates uh, yeah the times and stuff like that they they already do that so i think we'll just see more of that um yep. but i do think that because i think if I'm not mistaken, they were supposed to be releasing the Epstein client list here pretty soon. January, and apparently. Hmm. That's probably not going to happen. Surprise, surprise. But <laughs> if it does, yeah. you can guarantee there's going to be some major, some major event that's going to try to detract from attention from that. So either there's going to be some major event or they're not going to release the Epstein client list. One of those I think is going to yeah, ma- or, a major event just the generally. List is just, the hmm. I was going to say, or the list is just going to be like, kind of, I don't know. Bullshit names. Just, yeah, in, the crusty in, bits in, at the top. Yeah. I, I'm going to say scapegoats. Yeah. Inconsequential. Yeah. Exactly. And half of them will probably be, be dead or about to be. <laughs> yeah. Could be, for sure. I don't think so. But the I other would thing- say that if, if your name shows up anywhere on that list, you should be very much afraid something is going to happen to you oh that'd probably be the names of the ones that are securely underground now 
safe and sound in their bunkers, sipping their cocktails with their feet up, watching the world on their screens. Mm. That's what I believe. <laughs> I saw that. Because, they were like, yeah, they're going to release the Epstein client list. And I think I have not laughed that hard in quite some time. <laughs> Like, okay, yep, sure thing, buddy. Don't count your we chickens till they hatch. We have just as much chance of seeing Hillary Clinton behind bars as we do see, of seeing the Epstein. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, but as, as has already been stated, it'll be a small amount of what's really on. I, I have heard the figure of 170 names, but I don't, you know, who knows? Yeah, it'll, it'll passing be, word on the street. Well, I've <laughs> what I've heard, not be anybody important. No, what I've heard is the, alive. the list. The list apparently includes um, like victims and like general like help, like housekeepers and cooks, cooks yeah. and stuff like that. So like, yeah, not every name is some highfalutin, you know, pedophile. Yeah, but... and let's remember who's going to release it. Like, why would why would we trust? Anything, right? <laughs> anything Honestly, from these the, people. Well, the I don't trust them. Been... Throw them. So I mean, yeah, exactly. And it, who knows? They could be putting people's names on the list that aren't even on the list because they want to dirty or smear somebody's name. So you know, there's going to be that as well. We'll just have to take their word. It all comes down to trust. Well, and why, why, why string it out for a month instead of just a month? It How long has this been going on? 2019. Well, I think you, this well, really? you know, that's COVID, right. COVID hit. Oh shit! <laughs> well, you know, and Corbett brought up a really good point on one of his on his la- end of the year show. He talked about his story of the year was the uh, the whole Titanic submarine story. And it's like they mm-hmm. kept people, they kept stringing people along for a month over that story, and it turned out that those people were dead from the beginning. And so there's, I mean, there's any number, and oh, as far as they? as far as the Epstein client list is concerned. There's any number of lo- other logical reasons why they would string this out for a month. I mean, there's there's no oh, list, there's no end to the list of reasons. So I mean, yeah, I can see why they're doing it. Um, they're just they're just telling people what they want to hear, just to keep them on the edge of their seat, just to keep them, you know, enraptured with the whole story. And it's like mm-hmm. they're not going to. There's going to be so, there's going to be so many people with blue balls at the end of this. It's not even funny. They're not going to. Yeah, that's that's kind of been my. I think it's going to be a letdown. Like it's going to be it's a not, down for some people. It ain't going to really tell think us that any of these people are going to be facing justice. Come on, that's the big no, picture. No. I think that's a fairly justice black and white no. answer. Justice. Well, is they no. will eventually. The sooner people realize that, the better off they'll be. Well, sorry, Kaito, I, I missed what you said. I was just saying, justice is an illusion, and the sooner people realize yes, that, the yes. better off they'll be. There is no such thing as justice. In this, in this world, world. At least, correct. At least not in the way that people think that justice exists. It it's an yeah. illusion. It doesn't really exist. Yeah, the system is if being it, run by the system. So because if there was justice, we wouldn't be in this position where we're at right now. Exactly. The human race, we wouldn't be here. Here, here. Right yeah. Amen to yeah. that. Well, I I think we should probably just call it a night. At that, like I, mm. I agree. That's good. That's a good sentiment. Um, but Fido, I'm so glad you jumped in here at the tail end. Uh, it's I really it, 
tried to jump in last week too, and I just it just it did not happen. And uh, hey. and I do apologize. I, last week was to. a really fascinating episode too, and I really wished I could have been a part of that conversation because that was y'all. That was right up my alley, especially yeah. with the story you started with, with the uh, uh, with the bulbs. So. Oh yeah, yeah. tulip tulip mania. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. 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 That was unusual. I, I don't think it might not have been last week. It might have been the week before, but still. I wish I could have been yeah. a part of that conversation. I really regretted that. Well, we 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 skipped we skipped a week, so that oh. was that was the last episode. Um, but yeah, no, like guys, I'm just so stoked. Like 2024, here we come. It's it's the year yeah. of the WTF forum. Let's fucking yep. go. Let's what fucking go. Fuck? I got an <laughs> idea for a shirt. I got an idea for a t-shirt. Yeah. 2020, bring on the weird. <laughs> Bring on the weird. Sounds great. Weird, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. No, I'm like, I'm like, we are like, we're ahead Hashtag. of the curve, but but we're right where we need to be, y'all. Like, yep. there's so much, there's so much more yet to talk about, and it's so oh, fun. Yeah. It's so fun. This this little group we've put together. Um, I'm all about it. So I'm glad to be welcomed among y'all. Um, yeah. I think this is the year that I joined y'all. So. This was, this yep. has been fun. This has been a lot of fun for me and uh, I'm, I miss hanging out with you guys. So I promise I will be more present in the future and uh, present in the future. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's another t-shirt. Quick. Right there no pun intended. <laughs> there you go. In the I will be more available in the future. How about that? <laughs> I well, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to mimic what, what um, Pipo just said. I've also been very privileged and very glad to make the acquaintance of you folks and uh as i think i speak for ashley as well and shout out to ashley she has been extremely mm -hmm. unwell and uh we miss you and we're looking forward to getting you back very soon we love you and to everybody who's been listening um thank you and have a really great great new year yeah i mean the sun goes well, up sun goes down it's just another day really but i hope there is some new beginnings, you know, in people's minds and um, some hope because well, what we say, collectively. Shout out, shout out to Ando. He was here earlier. Um, yep. Drew. Shout out Drew. He was here earlier. Shout out to everybody that's been a part of this forum. Um, yep. All the guys we, commenting. Yeah. We've had quite a, quite a group and it's been fun. And more to come, more to come. So uh, I guess let's not, you know, let's not forget. We got to go around the circle here. You know, well, before I, you know, sign out myself, I'll say Ando, Burn Babylon, Burn, Drew uh, from You're Missing the Point, And I am Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast, and I'll pass it to Stella Q. Yeah, Stella Q, Union of the Unknowns, and WTF Forum. <laughs> Over to Fido. I am Phytophiliac. You can catch me on all major streaming platforms, and um, I you can sometimes hear my stuff on uh, MediaMonarchy.com on his morning radio show. Uh, and you can find me on X uh, at That Powered Lady. Happy New Year, oh, everyone. Yeah. Happy New Happy Year. Happy fucking you guys. New Year. Love yeah. your guts. Love your guts. 2020 faux, 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 faux show. Bring on the weird man. Afro man, 2020 fro. 
Bring on the weed. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. Huh. What the fuck? Say what the fuck? Say what the fuck?